Delicious. I, I like that we begin the show with just a few quiet minutes of beverage ASMR to make up for the years of eating snacks into a microphone. I don't know that we'll ever be able to atone. I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. Hold on, let me take an edible. Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. No. They're quiet. So I was promised a bit. Yeah, I don't really have one. I just have the same. Oh shit! Here's Karen, my. You here, said here, you did. I mean, Janine, you said you had a bit. I you know, but the the best kind of bits are the ones where you reveal you didn't have a bit. It's just something that you were thinking about. Uh, and uh, is I love, that the best kind? I don't know. It's it's the Janine kind. <laughs> <laughs> this is accurate. Uh, but I I love that we're going to talk about the wad on the pod today. Just a good saying. There's a wad on this pod. There's, There's a wad on, on this pod. pod. There's, There's a, a wad on this pod. There's oh my god. <laughs> um, Julian with Spitter Beverage, special guest, Sweet Nothings NYC, Sweets, aka our friend Keenan. Please don't Google her. Um, uh, just put her head into her hands. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> Welcome to. I got a note about this. Are you ready? Ooh. Yeah. For, first of all, that, I'm sorry. That was the wrong kind of entrance. Somebody say something so I can interrupt you with the name of our show. I, what do you want us to talk about? Welcome <laughs> to Sauced in Austin, a Podlander Drunk Cast podcast, volume one, Imbibe and Prejudice. Um, and now we're talking about the fourth episode of the BBC A&E miniseries, Pride and Prejudice, written by Andrew Davies, noted hater of Emma Thompson. <laughs> 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 um, friend of the show, Kate Kulzik, who will be on at some point, I told her, to pick which thing she wanted to talk about. She was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm teaching tiny children how to play music all day. I, I have no idea. Um, so, it's, I mean, she's teaching mostly uh, teenage children, but still, the point stands. Teenagers even worse. Um, and they always want to reschedule. I, it's, I feel bad for Kate. Anyway, um, anyway, friend of the show, Kate Kulzik, uh, gave me that little note. She was like, hey, I'm so enjoying Sauce and Austin, but I have a bone to pick with you. Shouldn't, taxonomically speaking, shouldn't it be Sauced in Austin, a Podlander Drunk Cast podcast. I was like, you know what? It should. And then we'll yes. just do Welcome to Podlander Drunk Cast, not Outlander podcast when we're doing Outlander. But now it's Welcome to Sauced in Austin, a Podlander Drunk Cast podcast. That's Volume a one in Vibe and Prejudice. That's a great yes. note. Listen, we got to get our branding straight here. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're taking off, baby. We're, so, we're getting bigger. Someday, as we continue to, this isn't going to happen, but as we continue <laughs> to fold in podcasts under the Podlander Drunkcast umbrella. One of them is going to be my favorite imaginary podcast, which is Fuck Your Favorites with Kate Kulzik. Um, <laughs> because every once in a while I do a podcast with Kate um, uh, four or five days a week, depending. Uh, it's really fun if you ever want just like a thing to do during your lunch. Come listen to us talk about whatever TV show we're doing in the moment. Um, but uh, she every once in a while will be like, okay, I'm going to be the contrarian here. I think it sucks. I think it really sucks. I don't think there's anything good about it. And it's very nonchalant. And all I want is a podcast where Kate is like, okay, today we're going to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fuck your favorites with Kate Kulzik. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's all I want. Anyway, um, thank you for the note, Kate. So we're here doing Sauced in Austin, uh, our fifth episode of Sauced in Austin, our fourth episode of the BBC AIE Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Uh, written by Andrew Davies, noted enemy, <laughs> um, the nemesis of Emma Thompson, um, or Emma Thompson, I guess is his nemesis. Um, and I'm so excited. We just watched; it was great. Janine has seen some some wet ass Darcy. God damn! Yeah, I did. <laughs> it happened. 
It's the happened. Late it was scene. great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, Keenan, Julie, were you finding it hard to decide what you were going to watch as those scenes took place? Because I was. Because it's riveting television. And yet, watching my tiny computer speaker on very quiet so I can hear both at once, watching Aaron go like, sorry, who's Aaron? Watching Janine go, oh, oh, whoo, whoo, <laughs> was yeah. just... Uh, I will tell you the God's honest truth. I was looking at Darcy the entire time and not looking at anything else. That's I, just the truth. No That's offense fair. to Janine whatsoever, but I have not seen this miniseries in a couple of years, and mm. I have just been enraptured on a rewatch. I am finding it very hard to stop at whatever episode we're doing on a given yeah, Sunday. me too. I just want to binge this thing. Um, yeah, like this was my first adaptation of Pride and Prejudice I'd ever seen, as with many of us. It was very formative uh, on the slumber party circuit. And um, then, you know, I kind of went through a phase where I was like, oh, I prefer, um, you know, like a tighter adaptation. I think I prefer the pacing of a movie version or a play version or whatever. And I I was getting annoyed by some of the performances. It doesn't matter. I'm all the way back in. Everyone is perfect. The cast is perfect. Colin Firth is so handsome in his coat and his boots. Uh, Lizzie Bennet in her little bonnets. Uh, Great dresses. A plus. No notes. Four stars. (laughs) Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is good. It was, I mean, everything about this episode, fucking, the fucking. It's a very pretty episode. It's so pretty. The people are pretty. The landscapes are pretty. The fucking house is pretty. Pembley is pretty. There's just so much thirsting going on on my side where I just want to. Fucking take it all in. It's just. It's nice. Oh, God, I miss being outside. Uh, all right. Are we ready to go? Are we going to dive in? Are we ready to start? I have to burp. Hang on. <laughs> I'm totally keeping Great. that in. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. So now here we go. I We do a Zoom now so we can see each other's faces while we talk to each other because as Allison was telling Keenan, it just makes us funnier. Like jokes come faster and better. Here's a visual joke that nobody who's listening to the podcast will see. A great choice, Julie, for the medium. Look at my first two notes. Darcy is pissed. Lizzie is pissed. In big capital letters in my notebook. And then I write, he hears her voice in his head. She hears his voice in her head. So it's obviously right after the proposal where she said, fuck you, get out of my face. And he runs away and they are both hot (gasps) and motherfucking bothered. They are both really mad. It was a terrible proposal. Oh, it was. I mean, except for the, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. It's a good one. Delightful, great, beautiful. Again, no notes. Notes on everything else, Darcy. Everything like, else. buddy. It's just a little pearl wrapped in a turd <laughs> is what yeah. it is because the rest of the proposal is so shitty. I yeah. know that this is the last episode and, and we cannot dwell on the last episode, but I do once again want to underline that I think the most dickish element of a very dickish scene is when he says, um, but... Uh, but oh God, what is the word? Do you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority no, of your circumstances? That's bad. Okay. But no, it's um when he's doing her a favor and showcasing his character by being incredibly rude. When he says, But disguise of every type is my abhorrence. Or artifice of every no, I think it's disguise of every type is my abhorrence. So sure, I could have not said 
that your family is shit and you are shit and I wish I didn't love you, but it would have been untrue. Radical honesty. That's always a cover of bullshit. It is. It still is. Spend five minutes on Twitter to see many examples of this exact thing. It's so good that Darcy spent this entire episode being better. Yes. (laughs) He's what, you know, he's putting the work in. He got his blanket and, uh, he took he got the, the message, message to heart. He, mm-hmm. he yeah. fucking got that stitched on his fucking jacket and just was like, oh, got to be better. So Jesus. he um, he hell. took his little calligraphy pen and he gave himself a prison tat and it just says, <laughs> be better. Be better. Be better. <laughs> he has very nice handwriting. Yes. He he huffs out of the parsonage and oh. back to Rosings. And it is so hot. He's so mad. He's sweaty. Like his hair is a little bit sweaty and damp on his forehead. He's just overtaken. And he stomps up the stairs, and Fitzwilliam comes out and is like, yo, come hang out. And Lady Cat Caroline is in the other room going, Darcy, where are you? And he's like, um, no, um, I beg your pardon, good night. And just <laughs> pieces out. He's just because like, you'll forgive me, you'll forgive me. He has <gasps> something to do That, by the way, is right the abrupt now. bow noise. This is, <gasps> that's, that's when you're bowing really hard. Yeah. He has something that he must do, and that is sit down and fire off a strongly worded letter. Which I was being really critical of him, just like you know, just go in, say hi, and then go back up. But as we watch this this montage mm-hmm. of writing a letter, I've realized it took him hours to pen this because every two words he has to fucking dip his ink in. Like yeah. I was just like, good <laughs> god, bro. He really took the time I to let you. Lizzie know you were right for on some things, but not all things. And here's the truth about Wickham, and then he lays it out. So. We already talked about the fact that he's the steward's son. We already talked about the fact that he might have stood to get some inheritance from Darcy's father. Blah, blah, blah. The new information is this. Wickham is a piece of trash and tried to seduce Darcy's little sister, who is 15 years old. Fifth fucking teen. I think Jesus. this rewatch, really, that part has been hitting me way harder. Yeah. Is all how young the girls are. Yeah. And there was a moment too in the like <clears throat> while Darcy was writing and narrating his letter and they they flashed back and Wickham was so like dashing when he showed up on the scene and was courting Lizzie and then he like lifts Georgiana's hand and kisses her gloved hand and like smiles and the crow's feet on the man's face and it's like she's 15 bro you're a mm-hmm. grown adult man who's getting some wrinkles Gross. Gross. We do see that um, Mr. Darcy maybe thought that he would go into the church. And I wrote, church? Nah. Broads. Because then it's that scene with him, like the flashback where he's making out with the girl in the Oxford closet or Cambridge closet or whatever. It's a very very dignified closet. Right. And then... mm, So we find out Wickham is actual, literal predator garbage. God, piece of shit. God, and then, that guy, what, shit, I didn't get my IMDb up before we started. Oh, yeah, let's look but him up. That I think guy, his name is Adrian Lucas. He is, thank you, Keenan. he yeah. is fine as, like, charming Wickham, but, God, he really comes to life once they take that veil away and you're no longer supposed to be fooled. Um, he's just really good at being such a heel. It's the, all the little, mm-hmm. like the scene when we get to his reunion with Lizzie, I can't wait yeah. to talk about that scene because he is abhorrent and it's so fun watching him squirm. I just, oh, what a, yes. what yeah. a butthole. It's going to be a tight butthole. <laughs> it's going to be a tight butthole today. You guys, you heard it's going to be, it's going to be a tight, it's going to be Allison. a tight butthole race. You heard it. She For said the, it. The old TGB. It's going to be really, she really tight. 
really I love, tight. I love that we have this Zoom because watching your realization of what you said as you said it was it's so good. good. <laughs> it's going to be so tight. <laughs> the it's going to be a lot like Caroline Bingley's asshole. <laughs> that is tight. It's very oh, tight. It's God. really tight. <laughs> so Janine is right. It's a whole montage that's going yeah. down. Oh, and it's all... Time. You get to see all the past things that Wickham did and everything, but the, he he it does take time, and you know how we know that because he is so into writing this motherfucking letter that he has to take his coat off because he is in it. Well, he, he also waits okay. from the afternoon he gets back when he like huffs through the doors, just like mm-hmm. da 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 no, and he just leaves. He, from there until the next morning, he yeah. writes. All night all long. night by candle and he keeps pensively staring off into space with one curl. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to tell you one of my very favorite Adam cho- adaptation choices that Andrew Davies, uh, the second best interpreter of Jane Austen. <laughs> uh, bringing that fire. <laughs> no, he's great. Um, the, my very favorite choice that he, and I think this might be my favorite choice in terms of just construction in the whole miniseries. And it's that in the, in the back the order of these revelations is flipped and it makes perfect sense on the page to do it that way because Lizzie is reading it. We're inside her perspective. She's furious for like the first two paragraphs when he's talking about Jane and Bingley. And then she gets the rug pulled out from under her with all the revelations about, um, what's his fuck? Wickham. Wickham. Thank you brains it's the entrancing smell of my triple wickham candle is sort mm-hmm. of mellowing mm-hmm. me out and yeah. distracting my yeah, totally. little cottage cheese up here anyway um so the <laughs> i don't know why i just called my brain cottage cheese guys i'm having a rough go it's much anyway, sharper than that they thank you very much it's like frozen cottage cheese or they like uh cottage cheddar i was gonna say it's more like a nice gloucester yeah <laughs> Got you, doofuses. So, on the page, that's how it works. And your journey with Lizzie is, fuck this guy. What did he... He thought he could put this in a letter and appease me? Never. And then she gets curious and she goes back to reading it and like, oh my God. And then she remembers at the end that the first paragraph is bad, but by the time she reaches the end of the letter, her feelings have changed. Mm -hmm. Till that moment, I never knew myself, right? However, here, what we get is... The entire genuinely shocking Wickham revelation, and you and he he's very respectful about it. He um, is subtle and sort of alluding to her connection with Wickham. Um, he writes very delicately about his sister, and obviously, the the real root of this conflict is that what Wickham was attempting to perpetrate against this woman that he want this young woman that he wants to protect. Um, and what it would mean for their financial well-being and her reputation and all of these things. So we get all of that. And then he goes, as for the other charge you leveled against me, you're right. Fuck you! <laughs> just like it's just I like don't, double I fingers. I did it and I do it again! <laughs> so she goes from like, oh my God, I was so wrong to, oh, infuriating asshole. Fuck this And guy. then she mellows, right? Like, so we still get more conflict, I think, than Lizzie essentially starts mad and settles down to earth in the book. And here it's so much more, it's more alive, I guess, mm-hmm. because when Ghost Darcy shows up, <laughs> to torment her. Oh my god. She is, I can't wait for that moment. She's confused and she's turned on and she's angry, but the thing that the note on which he left her was 
Fuck you. <laughs> I, do. I do it again. I do it again. It does make me laugh in that scene, and I really do like Jennifer Ely. Ely I always said Ely growing up. I don't know what it is. We Her think lines you're right. Where she's reading the letter. We think at, it's Ely. Really oh, quick, Ely. this is an important programming note. Oh, so, great. Uh, I found in between our break here, we got a very thoughtful Facebook message from someone who said, hey, I love the pod, but just so you know you're pronouncing the name wrong, it's Ely, and sent a clip of Jennifer Eel or Ely winning a Tony Award. And the Tony announcer said, Ely, Ely. Ely. Um, which makes perfect sense to me that that would be how it was pronounced. However, I found a bunch of pronunciation guides on the internet that say some of them say Ely and some of them say Eel. So now I'm just going to start going through videos until I find a video of that beautiful woman saying her own name. There has to be one somewhere. <laughs> there so has to be. We're going to say Ely for now, but who knows? We might as well call her like Jennifer Beauty Cakes. Like the, I, we, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. However, cakes, let's go. We'll cakes. go with Ely slash cool. Beauty Cakes today. DC, okay, man. got DC. it. Slash Ele- Jennifer Elevenses. I was going to say Elevenses. <laughs> Ely is the approved Scotty and Keenan pronunciation, and as one of those two, uh, that is what I will say. Great. Yes. Okay. Um, is when she's reading the letter, and as you, Allison, as you absolutely correctly point out, feelings going up and down, and he, the narration is something like there is one point upon which I criticize my own conduct or something. And she goes, really astonish me. And I just (laughs) love it so much because absolutely we have all said that in our hearts, reading Twitter or reading some article or something really astonish me. Um, It was, it was just such a lovely contemporary moment. She does such a nice job with that. Well, and that's an important point because the thing on which he reproaches himself is that he never told Bingley. He knew Jane was in London and didn't tell Bingley. So the whole time he had no idea. She thinks he's forgotten her and he's like, I sure miss that girl back in the country. Look at me. I'm a human puppy dog. Boop da doo. Ball? What? Is there a ball? Gosh, <laughs> someone rub my tummy. That is very Bingley. It yeah. is very Bingley. Oh, Bingley and Jane, uh, you little sweet You're buddies. 100% right about it taking all night because I forgot about the two cappers at the end of the montage of him writing the letter that I love so much. First of all, he's got to fucking splash his face because this man is a water baby. He <laughs> loves water. He's a Pisces. He needs moisture. Okay. And then also he puts out a candle that's burned down to the very stub, puts it out with his thumb and forefinger, like some kind of badass boss, like, like some kind of, I don't know, mobster. That's not hard to do. This is a little message from the resident candle bitch. Um, I mean, if you lick your fingers, fine. Yes. But he's just, he's still in such a state after writing this letter all night long. His that hands he has are to go, sweaty. Ugh. His, his hands, hands are sweaty. sweaty. Also, maybe he just splashed water on his face and You're then right. just let it ride. Okay, yeah. let's let's say that. But it still, it was a badass move. Candle bitch, you can subscribe to my newsletter. That's not a joke. I actually started a newsletter called Candle Bitch. I'll put it on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, moving on. That's the stage I'm at in quarantine. I just gave up trying to come up with something smart to write a newsletter about and just wrote Candle Bitch. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So... Right after the candle, we do an excellent cut to breakfast at the Parsonage the next morning, and Mr. Collins eating and doing this after every bite. Mm. 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 <laughs> what? Mm. 
Lord. God, I never noticed that before, and it's so right. Neil I can... and I were pissing our pants. Isn't there a shot where he looks up and smiles at her, and his mouth is obviously full of food, but his lips are silver, and goes like, like a chipmunk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. The, David, David Bamber, once again, just you, it. your light just Ooh. shines. I meant to share, I haven't watched it yet, but he's got a new show out this week. Um, Or maybe it's ending this week, Uh, but it would be available on the internet because it's a a PBS miniseries. Now I want to double check with Imelda Staunton. And it was on PBS on Masterpiece. Um, And he plays it. It's like a late in life romance, but mystery. So like something bad happens to someone who knows, but he's the detective. Oh, flesh. It's four episodes, flesh and blood. Hilariously. Oh my God. I kid you not. Imelda Staunton's character's name is Mary Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) That's his, that's his solid joke. It's Mary Bennett. It's she's, Mary Bennett, she, and then David Bamber is playing yeah. D.I. Doug Lynam. So she's David Bamber. She's the killer. Mary it's Bennett, her. Killer. Mary. Yeah, we sorry. know she's a murderer. She's a soul vampire. God, yeah. there, we, I can't we, wait to talk about the various excellent Mary oh, moments yeah. that we she, get. Like, there were, if, it, if there was a question, she answered it in this episode. <laughs> Mary's Corner. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so now Lizzie comes down. And she checks in at breakfast, but she can't stand to listen to Mr. Collins eat. So she runs away. <laughs> As she is wont to do, she runs out into the lovely countryside. But she does it so well, and she's like, "Oh, the, it's Mr. Collins. It's because the woods around Rosings are so are beautiful so this time beautiful. of year. Like she's absolutely learned how to play that and man. He, oh yeah, he, he just like damn right. And this <laughs> time she actively runs. She like runs, runs. Sorry about the door buzzer, you guys, but we're gonna keep going. Um, and then guess who's there? Fucking. Guess. Just guess. I'll give you three guesses as to who is in the woods. Uh, uh, three. Only three. Wait. Okay. Uh, I mean, a, think, a, think. you know, choose a, wisely. A wood elf. No? No. That's one. So you only have two guesses left. Okay. Um, oh, I know. Yeah? Keenan? Credits, dear. Oh, uh, I really like your moxie, but no. Okay, you only have one Damn. more guess. Can we, okay. can who can is guesses? in the woods? Can I have one more? One no, more. you can only have one more. Damn it, my wood elf was sucky. Oh, wait, Allison. Allison gets the third one. Who's yeah, out there? I want to guess. I'm going to guess um, that it's Goody Proctor speaking with the devil. <laughs> you know what? It kind of is because there's the devil right there. Like, loins aflame. There he is. <laughs> Fucking Darcy, as but always, just looking, creeping. Like, his clothes in this episode make him look like he's, like, nine feet tall. Yeah. He's, like, a tall, like... You have Lizzie in her beautiful little bonnet with the ruffle and her little curls tumbling all around her face. And then it's like, who's in the woods? Masculinity. Right yeah, there. Model, serving tall drink of water. Serving yes. body, yaddy, yaddy, as they say. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like a flat front trouser and a beautiful jacket and one curl out of place. <laughs> ah. Oh God, that curl though. Ooh. Civilizations. It's Regency. Serve with it. Live with it. And he just walks right up to her very calmly and is like, I hope you will do me the honor of reading this letter and then pieces out. He's just like, I just need to give you this note. Okay, we, bye. We, Wait, just hold just on, Janine. What is how does he piece out? Tell us. Oh, uh, like this. <laughs> <laughs> <And then laughs> he, he does a little this one's not quite as 
st- he does a little bit of a slower bow this time. Well, because he's he's tired because he's been walking the entire forest looking for her and writing, just and, wandering all night. Just, it's it's more like this. Are you ready? It's like, oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <An> exasperated. <gasps> oh, finally, no, like a sigh, like, oh, I need to go to bed. <gasps> <gasps> or like maybe because he's ashamed and it's like, huh. <laughs> you made me swallow rug and now I'm all choking. It's I always really liked that he does that because I think it would be genuinely alarming to come across again, the nine foot tall man who has professed somehow both hatred and great over consuming love for you. It's very complicated. You've just fought with him and then you encounter him in the woods and he says, he's been walking in the Glen waiting to meet you. That would be disturbing and alarming. And instead he's like, no, no letter. Bye, bye, bye. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Like he's trying actively to be not creepy, which I Mm -hmm. appreciate. And yet somehow maybe a little bit creepy that he was walking around the woods. Because he didn't write a letter about her all night long. Right. But But then you're right. He has the great good sense to be like deuces. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye. Now let me read this letter, which she does. And she is full body and soul into reading this letter. And they go back into a voiceover again of him reading it. So she is reading the letter. His voice is telling her the story. She's seeing it. And I think this is when we really see all the Wickham shit, like the story of the Wickham yes. shit. Yeah. Yes. Right? We get the yeah. flashbacks. We see little <laughs> baby, baby Georgiana with her baby little face. We see all of Wickham's crow's eyes and wrinkles in his grown adult 38 Ugh. whatever year old face that yeah. he is. Um, and I really liked what Allison said mm-hmm. about how Darcy... This is such a cool moment, both in the book and in the miniseries, because we were making jokes in the crowd crowdcast um, a few episodes ago, being like, that's the prejudice and here's the pride and like all mm-hmm. these different things. And this is the episode where the two characters who have been so strongly identified with those two characteristics start to have kind of their surety in those um, qualities kind of ripped out from under them and they start yeah. to kind of switch places a little bit. So it's kind of nice to see them all upheaval because in this letter you do see that like, yes, Darcy's proud and yes, he's been a grouch up until this point and pretty damn rude, but there's a great deal of tenderness and respect. And even though Wickham has behaved abominably and probably someone could have just shoved him in the lake at Pemberley and then, oh no, where did Wickham go? We'll never know. Oh, um, when they were kids? Right. Yeah, Darcy like, could have just pushed him and nobody would have stopped him because he's the scion of the family. At Ramsgate, Darcy could have been like, oh, you're trying to make off with Georgiana? Shove you off a ledge. What oh, happened? yeah, off the rocks? What happened? Where'd he go? But like he's, I think the letter does, and I, spoiler, later Darcy will look back on this letter and be like, oh, I'm so ashamed. I should, the way I wrote it was designed to like wound and offend you and make you feel bad about yourself. But I think he does, particularly with respect to Georgiana, even while he's trying to communicate the depth of Wickham's villainy, he's still sort of like maintaining a gentility there and a gentleness Mm -hmm. that Allison was talking about that I think is really, really nice. Yeah. Until he gets to the Jane shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's not great, buddy. (laughs) And Lizzie does not like when she Mm -hmm. is, so very mad. Yeah. Um, but the it's nice to see the flashbacks. It's nice to see him and Wickham Young. And you you kind of realize, like, Wickham's kind of been a turd from jump. Forever. Like, he never wanted to go into the church. He wanted money. He got money. And then he tried to get more. And also a 15-year-old. 
did I and I, did I misunderstand or uh, I'm I'm still getting uh, hip to the Regency? Sure. Um, so when he said he wanted to go, they suggested the church, but instead he, he got three thousand a year. Yes. And then at the end so of the exchange, all okay. of these big like estates that these super duper rich dudes have, there's a living on site, which is like the parsonage. So that's Mr. Collins has the the living at Rosings, yeah. and there's one at Pemberley, and Ms. they're hoping that w- yeah. Wickham yeah. would do that. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. was like and a pretty normal. You didn't have to have like a spiritual vocation to go into the church. It was just like a normal thing for folks to do. And so Mr. Darcy Sr. was like, Wickham, a second son in my heart, you will have the living here. And all it takes is for Mr. Darcy Sr. to die for Wickham to be like, no thanks, I would like the monetary value of that living. And Mr. Darcy Jr. is like, sure, but here you go. This is what you get. You get... so. 3,000 pounds. Yeah, so that wasn't complete. So that wasn't, like, so I don't know if it was totally my question. The 3,000 pounds a year. No, one payment. Oh, he just was like, oh, I'll just take the one. Well, as he said, you'll take this and sum of money. Okay. Um, So you know what? I actually wrote down a note to do a conversion. So let's see. Let's say Regency (laughs) cash conversion. Because even because I I, under, uh, cause I understood the three th- I understood the the living wage a year, but then mm-hmm. he was like he was like, and then hopefully this will be done with. I was like, wait, are you going to pay him like annually though? And you yeah, think not so be it's around? not a living like, wage a year. It's that. like a living is the parsonage and like is mm-hmm. the job. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So he was basically Bastard. paying him off to leave, the and then out. Wickham used all that money and came back hilariously when i googled that one of the things that came up was could mr darcy afford a stately home today <laughs> uh, but none well, of these things a... is useful so let's if he rest was assured, born with pemberley who gives a fuck what he can afford he can just live it's there um, ever it's a metric fuck ton of cash it's yeah he, basically it would be like here is a job and a house for the rest of your life yeah. And he went, no thanks, deuces, I'll take the cash. And so I would like to get the lump sum instead <laughs> of having it over installment. Um, Why so, do I keep hearing J.G. Wentworth in this episode? Do you I guys know what I'm talking about? No, but mm-hmm. for some reason you said J.G. Wentworth and my cesspool of a brain went, we are farmers. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> No, the J.G. Wentworth commercials where they're like, I want my cash settlement payment now. And there's oh, like, yeah. uh, that whole bit. Like, I feel like that's what's going on in this episode a lot. <laughs> sort of. He, he just wants the money and he yeah. gets it and then he spends it all and comes back. And so that's why we're having the problems with him again is because he's trying to find a way to get more money. Dick. It's uh, yeah. it's not good. He would be today. Wickham would be. Uh, doing the Better Call Saul thing and like setting up a thing so that he'll get hit by a car mm-hmm. so that he can sue and then live He's off He's definitely it. that guy. Yeah. yeah. He'd be doing that. And yeah. chasing. <clears throat> you know what? He'd be like, I don't know how accurate it is, but do you remember what we all thought about Kevin Federline when he married Britney Spears? Yes. Kevin Federline is a Wickham. The, at least the Kevin Federline of our... Okay, I'm realizing now that I'm the only one deeply invested in Britney Spears. Um, however, well, I mean, for those of you who are listening who are with me... I mean, yeah. Um, Kevin, you, if you remember Kevin Federline, everyone was like, ooh, look at this this um, leech latching mm-hmm. onto Britney's in for her money and whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was true, maybe it was not. I think he ended up being a pretty decent dad to their kids when she was really going through a rough patch. Um, but again, I don't know. I, all I know is the image that we were painted of him was what a leech. 
So a lot like Mr. Wickham or Donald Trump. <laughs> so Lizzie I'm calling Donald Trump a leech. Please vote. Lizzie comes stomping back to the parsonage just on fire with anger and finds out that Colonel Fitzwilliam and, and uh, Mr. Darcy are planning on leaving. And she's like, fucking A, good, good. I wish they would. And she stomps upstairs. <laughs> and then she has this great montage in her mind where she's going over all the things that Darcy said to her about her family and her proposal. And she like sees her mother talking with her mouth open about trying to marry her daughters off to rich men. And she sees Lydia running around a room with a sword. And my note is family. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's, uh, this one's a costume thing. If y'all are ready, please. The costume moment for me in this episode, other than the final thing that Lizzie is wearing, is Caroline Bingley in this weird little montage scene where it's there, it's her and her sister and Bingley staring standing over something. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's in this montage, and she's wearing that black dress with like the arrow print that points down. Anyway, I was in love with it. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about some of the early costumes, uh, we made a discovery this week, which is that it seems like somehow through some moving of the planet or transference of energy or something, I don't know what, there's one person in every crowd cast who is just straight up killing it with the jokes. Right? Oh, yeah. We had Amanda Smazazza with the Triple Wickham. I don't remember who it was last week, but somebody was fucking hilarious last week. This week, that person is Tori Halligan. So I'm going to drop in a few of her particularly choice bits when we Excellent. get to them in, in the episode. I didn't get all of them, but I got some highlights. And one of the first ones is right here. And she's reading her letter. And Tori <laughs> went in the comments and said, Ooh, serious sleeves for a serious letter. <laughs> <laughs> They are serious <laughs> sleeves. They're very serious sleeves. <laughs> On her little Spencer, right? On her little jacket? Yes, yeah. serious. Mm-hmm. And not fucking around. Not playing the radio <laughs> sleeves. Anyway, Tor- <laughs> get ready for more gems from Tori later. Oh, also, I want to throw a little nod uh, to our pal, Samantha, who made a very funny TikTok about us this week. There's a TikTok about us. Um, uh, she just typed, a scrub is a guy who thinks he's fine. <laughs> Also known as a buster. Always thinking about what he wants and just sits on his his broke ass. Broke ass. So no, I don't want your number. No, I don't want to give you my name. No, No. I don't want to meet you nowhere. No, I don't want none of your time. No, I don't don't want want no scrubs. scrubs. Uh, There's more coming, but that was a, it was a, it was a good note. That was when I started taking notes. It was not the first (laughs) joke, but it's where I started taking notes. And then Lizzie gets invited to Rosings again. So y'all... Mr. Collins is always talking about how hard it is to get an invite to Rosings and how fucking, like, Lady Catherine doesn't have time. But ever since Lizzie has been there, Lady Catherine has been like, come hang out at my place. I find Like, this awesome. whole time. Yeah. Well, like, eh, mm, you'll see later why that may not be I'm awesome. gonna no. drop some in the books shit. So, there, it's made very clear in the books that they were getting invited a lot. And then... Darcy and Fitzwilliam showed up and they were invited once or twice. And then the day that Darcy and Fitzwilliam left, they were invited again. Basically, there's fucking nobody around who, or at least no one around who's willing to talk to her except for Mr. Collins. So the second she gets company, she's like, nope, get out. See ya. (laughs) See ya. I mean, wouldn't you? 
if you could get that guy out of there. Yeah, but if like, I had oh, a chance to talk to Lizzie Bennet, no way. Well, that's oh, the thing. Yes. In their interaction, felt like, granted, their last interaction we saw, they did, like Lizzie and the lady aren't super into each other. They are not, but, but, but then, she's a but person li- who uh, uh, obviously craves worshipful company. Mm-hmm. And we've yes. got little Lucy Davis just well, killing it. Well, and I think in this like this next interaction, it feels a little bit like uh, the lady's like, so Liz, you're, you know, I don't like you, but you're also kind of punchy, and you're not punchy right now. Why aren't you punchy? Can you get punchy? Could you punch yes. a little bit? Like, she what's does going a little on? bit. Yeah. I was, I was I'm like, bored. Okay. Could you be rude? <laughs> yes, exactly. Ew, David. I, I don't know why I went to Lexus Rose there. <laughs> Lexus Rose would never... So Lady <laughs> Caroline is piast Catherine. because Lady she Catherine. finds out. Sorry, Lady Catherine. Lady Catherine, because Caroline Bingley. That's why yeah. I do that every time. Bingley. Bingley. Um, Lady Catherine is mad because Lizzie's like, I got to go. I got to get back to, I got to get back home. My dad is going crazy. And Lady Catherine's like, no, no, no. You'll stay another month and then I'll give you the, my sweet ride. Hold and on. Lizzie's like, Hold on. No. <clears throat> As we're watching this scene, this is another Tory update. As we're watching this scene, um, someone in the Crowdcast chat says, hold on, what's a barouche box? By the way, get ready for barouche boxes. Lots of them ahead. Lots of barouche boxes and lots of livings, actually, Janine. You're getting all sorts of Jane Austen's greatest hits in this episode. Okay. Um, So, uh, what is a barouche box? And... Me, a know-it-all. The the Hermione Granger I keep inside my stomach screamed from through my throat. It's a type of carriage. And two or three other people were like, oh, it's a type of carriage. And Tori writes, a vagina. <laughs> Stay another month and I'll give you my barouche box. <laughs> uh, my, deliver you to London in my barouche box. <laughs> it's very warm. <laughs> but Lizzie. It is a like... wet ass barouche box. <laughs> Wob. 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 No, hold on. No. <laughs> Let's get it out. Let's get it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm good. This Wob thing is good. It's legs. I like it. Yep. It's so Ugh. good. It's got something. So uh, Lady Catherine wants her to stay. Lizzie's like, no, I got to go. And then this, I'm quite put out is how that scene is. That's right. Oh, I wrote, I am quite put out myself. I am quite. I am quite put out. I forgot that this episode, there's a couple coming up, but there are some sound bits that have just become like engraved on my brain and heart. Just like a couple little quotes and, they 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 pop up as the occasion serves, and no one ever understands what I'm referencing. But one of them is Except Lady for me. Catherine, <laughs> quite put out, like just <laughs> beautiful. Love her, a menace. It's, oh, and that's another, one of the uh, rent-free you ones. You very in my brain. dull this evening, Miss Bennett. There's there's like a little there's Ms. a little Bennett? juice on yep. the Bennett. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Uh, I love her. There's Bennett? a couple coming up, but just uh, I, terrible. That's that's one of the rent-free ones for me. Uh, like in the last episode, the way that <laughs> the way that David Bamber says that fucking she likes to see the situation of rank preserved. Mm-hmm. That's another one. So uh, Lizzie is getting ready to go, and they're loading her cart and shit. And Mister Collins decides this is the time to just step up and say, "Hey, not so bad, huh? Look what you missed out on. This is my life." And 
we're Charlotte and I are like fucking tight. Everything's great. We love each other. It's like we were meant to be together. And it's just like, fucking shut up. There's this shot that looks over to Charlotte and her eyes are just like wide going like, I mean, (laughs) we're good-ish. Take a walk. Can you go to the garden, please? I'm going to go sit in my room. Can you go to your room? It's such a good little moment. She does. It's like they've been married for months and somehow when he smiles at her, she's still doing who, me? Oh, God. Like she's still hoping it's somebody else. And then as they're driving away, David Bamber has just, he makes the most out of every single moment he's on camera. And this is his way of goodbye is when he goes. Um, I think that's when I wrote Bamber rules again. Because that weird little like. But he also does his his like lips to mouth thing a lot in Mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah, where he like. Lucy Davis is so good in this. I real briefly, we skip, we skipped past understandably a completely useless scene that does absolutely nothing to advance the plot, but which I love, which is when, uh, I'm never going to call her by her actual name. When Lucy Davis is repacking her suitcase because Lady Catherine said she packed it wrong. (laughs) And there's something about the way she does it. That's so funny. And then, um, and then Lizzie says, Lady Catherine will never go. It's your own trunk, punk. Pack it how you and she, like. She'll and she pokes know. her. Lady Catherine will never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then oh. this is when we get the second best moment in this entire episode. The first best, of course, is like moment. But here we get Lizzie on the road, reflecting upon her time <laughs> near Rosings at the Parsonage, and then we're treated to the big, giant, floating meathead <laughs> of Mister Darcy. Yes, like just an enormous close-up of Colin Firth, like floating in the air, phantasmagorical. Like, why? Yeah, somebody explain this to me. Well, it was because she's she's all well. Yes, it was very 1995. Janine is right on the money. Almost called (laughs) Um, you the wrong name, Janine. But she, as Allison correctly pointed out, talked about the evolution of the feelings and the the anger and the oh no and ah da da and. We are treated to that vision, I think, personally, because the, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you, is starting to percolate back up to the top a little bit now that her feelings are starting to kind of simmer and settle. Yeah, Yeah. because Darcy really, like, maybe, maybe, no, wouldn't have happened, but maybe if he had said, you must allow me to tell you how much I, how ardently I admire and love you, and then said nothing else, (laughs) and just stood there, then she would have gone, What? And then perhaps he would have explained himself better and we could have skipped all the stuff that's coming. Mm-hmm. Not that I would have wanted to. Great no. drama. But, but sometimes less is more. As Coco Chanel said, before you leave the take house, one off. take all the bullshit you say about her family off. <laughs> okay, and then we get to where they change coaches. And why is Lydia there? <sighs> they went to meet them. They were like oh, okay. being very festive and jolly and meeting them when really okay. they wanted to go to a different town to, to buy shopping. ugly bonnets on purpose uh, yes. because it's hilarious. Bonnet gate. <laughs> because presumably they buy the mm. ugly bonnet and then one of two things happens. Either they transform it into a magnificent bonnet, which I think is what happens here because Lydia's bonnet later in the episode, choice. Oh, yeah. Choice. Do you think she made that out of this one? Because she says, maybe. I'm going to take you this know home what? and maybe make something out of maybe it. Maybe the tragedy of Lydia Bennett is that she did not open her own hat shop. <laughs> her own millinery? In, yes. In, in fairness, I do. Like, there's a throwaway line about um, how she needs all new clothes to go to Brighton. So I think that's Ooh. why Lydia looks so dope. 
when she's heading out is because she has spoiled and indulged younger daughter who has received a whole new wardrobe. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. then never mind. Fuck you, Lydia. But um, <laughs> uh, we do find out that the regiment is leaving their town, though. And Lydia, of course, is heartbroken. She's heartbroken and she's oh. broke because she's, it's one of my favorite Lydia moments is when she says, Kitty and I came to surprise you. Isn't that wonderful? And we decided to treat you for lunch. Look at this incredible lunch. And then it's like the most basic lunch. I mean, it sounds delicious. Don't get me wrong. But it's yeah. like, here is plowman's lunch basically mm -hmm. right uh and she's like we're going to treat you all we're so generous can i borrow some money i don't have enough money to pay for this i bought an ugly bonnet <laughs> yep <laughs> i'm oh, treating terrible. you to, i'm treating you to lunch for your birthday you do you mind this? picking up the tab <laughs> and my favorite part of this scene is first of all sisters together again is always nice but then will weirdly hanging out in the background and lizzie's like will you can go and he's all like <sighs> Okay. Fine. And he leaves because he was loving all the hot goss. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we immediately return to piling on to Mary King. Yeah. Lydia's just I like, was going to say, what is the hot goss? And that is that Mary King is out of the picture. Mm -hmm. And continues to be a righteous <laughs> uggo. Like she, Lydia just cannot stop. <laughs> Wickham is safe. Perhaps we should say Mary King is safe. That's one of my favorite Lizzie. Jennifer mm -hmm. Gorgie cakes. Mm -hmm. moments um i have to say uh this is the point <laughs> in the episode where the seeds of a new pet theory and if any of you writes this ya novel i'm just gonna murder you because you have to let me do it um so don't i guess don't worry about me many strangers we don't know who listen to the podcast please don't <laughs> steal my idea <laughs> anyway um this is when i started to wonder whether or not maybe lizzie bennett was bisexual in this 19 point PowerPoint presentation. I will outline my thoughts. Um, but in brief, she wears a very bisexual nightgown that we're about to see that I want to talk about. Oh, God. It's a very bisexual nightgown. It's, and it's, very, it's, it's hot, it. but it's very bisexual. And the other thing is, maybe she just also thought Mary King was a total smoke show. <laughs> so that when Wickham and Mary King were going to get engaged, she was jealous of both of them. So she was like, oh, you're, she's, she's, I don't like her anyway. <laughs> when really it's just that she had the hots for both of them. Please don't write bisexual pride prejudice. Please. It's, I don't have anything, you guys. I need Man, this. I think an excellent case can be made for Lizzie, especially yeah, so. with Charlotte. Yeah. yeah, well, that was... See, you've stumbled mm -hmm. onto my, my nefarious idea, is mm -hmm. Lizzie and Charlotte. Power couple. Power couple. Okay, so um, then we are... I don't know if they're back home. They have to be back home, right? When it's her and her and Jane upstairs talking sister time. Yeah. So it's nighttime. They're in their lovely nightgowns, which I know you all want to discuss. But the first thing I just have to say right now is Jane's braid. That fucking golden, Incredible. huge braid across her shoulder. I'm just like, mm, that's quality right there. Please, let's talk about the nightgowns. <laughs> well, they are choice. They're very, very good. Um, fun fact from... You know, it for the Sense and Sensibility movie, there's Emma Thompson's filming diary that you can read and you get all the background info. There is Scotty a brought it book. up last week. It's just... <laughs> I mean, I also own it. It's great. You got to read it. There is not by one person, but there's sort of a similar, like, behind the scenes of Pride and Prejudice. Have I read it? Fools. Of course I've read it many <laughs> times. I don't currently have a copy, which is a, a real bummer, but... Um, they were actually like the whole production team was so jazzed about the actress who plays Jane's hair because that's all her real hair. She's not wearing a wig. A lot of other people have hair pieces and things like that. And Jennifer Ely like cut all of her blonde hair off. So she has like 
uh, all of her hair as a wig and you know stuff like that and she had to darken her eyebrows and things but they were so jazzed about the actress who plays Jane's hair so Julie I'm sure it like warms the producer and everybody's hearts to know that you also appreciate and value their contribution and Jane's hair what I she mean, has brought it, to cinema it's a commitment to take care of your hair so well well and Especially she had to cut the short that she had to cut the front part of it short for the curls and mm. it was like a whole thing. She'd been growing all this hair out. Will she cut it for the production or won't she? This is the kind of drama that went on behind the scenes of filming Pride and Prejudice. Oh, my God. She did because, of course, she did. She's Jane Bennett. She's a perfect, beautiful angel, and she would mm-hmm. she did it for the job, and she looked great. I will say that I do think her nighttime hair is sometimes superior to her ballroom hair because I think mm. sometimes they make her ballroom hair too tight. I like her little tiny buns and her little tiny mm-hmm. braids, and I'm like, just soften a little bit. Yeah, She's it makes Jane her Bennett. head. She's a soft princess. It makes soften. her head look smaller. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because th- that actress is obviously beautiful, Lovely. but she just when when whenever her hair is down or it's in one of these bedtime braids, I'm always like, ooh, hello, beautiful mermaid, like mm-hmm. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, and then <laughs> when she is has her ballroom hair, it just makes her head, like. It like you can see her skull. It's so tight. It's like they they squeeze all of that the golden tresses into this tiny tiny little bun and skinny mm-hmm. skinny little braid. And I'm like a lighter delicate touch is needed mm-hmm. here. I think. But yes, beautiful mermaid. Um, I mean, great nightgowns F- for listeners. One of my quarantine obsessions uh, during the whole of this pandemic has been uh, romance novel heroine 90s. And there's a strong overlap with Regency 90s because of how many romance novels are set in the Regency time period. So I have a Twitter thread that's just Etsy link after Etsy link of <laughs> 90s that I, I really want. Um, my friend Haley said her specific kind of ideal is a 90 with what she calls Duke fucking sleeves, where they start to slip. They're, re- they're real puffy, real puffy exactly sleeves. what you mean. But they're slipping off the shoulder as you go down to the library at midnight to fuck the Duke in the romance novel. Actually, so Duke yeah. fucking sleeves. Oh, I'm into this. So we had a little. We had a little. Claire wears a lot of that in out. Claire, she does. exactly. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! So we didn't really have like a true Dick, uh, Duke fucking sleeve nighty in this episode, but really great Jane, like just very Lizzie and very Jane nightgowns is I think mm-hmm. the vibe Allison was picking up on when she's saying bisexual nightgown like. Lizzie's nightgown is different from Jane's. And they're Lizzie's specific. nightgown is, there is, I, listeners, I continue to be an old person exploring TikTok. None of you teeny tiny babies have come out of the woodwork to tell us that you will teach us how to learn TikTok yet, teach us how to do TikTok yet. And uh, for that, I assume one of two things. Either you are wise enough to know that you should never work for free, to which I will say, if you'll actually teach me, I will absolutely yeah. send you some money, please. Um, like invoice me, absolutely, 100%. Two, that we don't actually have any teeny tiny baby listeners. <laughs> I think it's a mix. It's probably <laughs> But there are yeah. some. I know because some of her in the Slack greetings teeny tiny babies. But oh, that's true. We do have some. We, we do. But um, <laughs> they're all in their 20s. We're really old. Um, but, but yeah, you got to teach us. You got to teach us how to do it. Why was I going to say that? Oh, TikTok. about the nightgown. Yes, nightgown. So there is one of the corners of TikTok that I've stumbled into, um, which as the algorithm has learned more and more about who I am, it has showed me more and more bisexuals. So I assume that it is just reinforcing my identity, uh, which I appreciate. Anyway, uh, there is a whole corner of TikTok that's called Byrit TikTok. 
and it's bisexuals sitting on a chair in like normal clothes and they have some kind of other shoe in their hand and they throw it in the air and then appear to catch it on their foot as they change into a completely different outfit it's an editing trick but for specifically for bisexuals it's just bisexuals dressed as pirates what page after oh page my God. of bise- predominantly female bisexuals but bisexuals transforming into pirates the, apparently <laughs> i have not stumbled on this corner of tiktok but apparently there is a lesbian equivalent which is vikings <laughs> oh my god what i know i want the it all fuck. you gotta find it byrate hashtag god, b-i-r-a-t-e oh my god anyway lizzie's nightgown is a total pirate nightgown. It's got like <laughs> it's got like a sort of masculine collar, and then it's tied shut really tight. But there's sort of a like a large gap that looks accidental. No frills, really. Oh, look at look at Janine's face about the gap. Uh, oh, yeah. he minded the gap, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good nightgown. It's, it's they both nightgown. look incredible, but they're it super very comfy. different. It does. I wanted one. Oh, so did I. It made yeah. me think. In fact, Keenan, if maybe this is why I want one for quarantine times. Just yeah. waft around in a linen yes. something or other. Do you fl- fucking sleeve or no? There's sure. there's a range, but they look really comfy. It's like yeah. you know what? It's the winter caftan. It is yes. long you know, sleeve caftan. You know, it's the, a winter uh, caftan. I just started watching Schitt's Creek and like the, you know, um, Eugene Levy likes a good night shirt. He does. Like <laughs> yes, he does. He He's does. A, he, loves rock it. It. he rocks the Ebenezer Scrooge. He does. I want that. Yes. Give me yeah. a fucking tall. Po- uh, never mind. Nope. Gonna... You were going to say the boots. <laughs> you were going to say the boots. You still have to get yourself for some a fucking third Duke time. Boots. You brought I the want... boots and listen, a cape up on this episode. You did. Uh, and I'm not going to rush you. I'm not going to rush you because you need I'm to find the right pair of boots. But you had yes. better be looking. Use this time I, wisely. Dude, there uh, there have been some volunteers on Slack who have also said, hey, we'll help you find. Because it's going to be riding boots, right? Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. So they're like, we'll help you find. I'm like, oh, good. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. uh, I am looking. Believe me. Okay. It's well, on, add to your list. An Ebenezer you know. Scrooge. A Michael <laughs> Caine. Night shirt. Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. I am Michael Caine. So, I am comfortable in this shot as I sleep. Shot. Shot. Hey, the, you know what? If I could interrupt for just a second. Like, I haven't been doing that all episode, but I feel like we need to, I need to go with the spirit of spontaneity. Are you ready? Zoom dick, 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 zoom dick. I'm not giving that any more psychic energy. Oh, I don't care about the story. I care about the pleasing experience of saying zoom dick, zoom dick, zoom dick, zoom dick, zoom dick, zoom dick. Yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I was. This is how I got there. I assumed that the the just like two minutes we did on nothing would maybe also work as a bonus hidden track at the end of the album as our Zoom did last week. Anyway, oh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fun to edit that back in at the end. It made me laugh so hard. If, okay, anyway. if you're wondering what we're talking about, you didn't listen to the entire episode last week. Go ahead and go back. <laughs> okay, so... I just wrote that this is a lovely scene between the two sisters and how much they love each other. And it's just very nice to see these two actresses have such an intimate scene together. And they're talking about the Wickham revelations and yeah. what it means to them and what it means to the the people around them and whether or not they should tell anybody about what happened. And they both agree not to because technically it's not their business at this point. So I think that's kind of why they said they weren't going to do anything. But then inside me, I was like, you should tell everyone. 
Yeah. Well, and as they go later in, like Lizzie has a conversation with her dad. We'll talk. We'll get to that. Like, yeah, that's what I saw. That's at the, at the time when they were talking to each other. Jane was a very good, like, uh, uh, confidant and they were having this great conversation. And then I agreed. I was like, yeah, you shouldn't share that because Darcy. Yeah. He kind of told you this in confidence and it's because you're, you know, but then like that seemed like a bad choice. Very quickly. Maybe not <laughs> anything. Maybe not anything about Darcy and Georgiana, but. Just about Wickham? Wickham, yeah. M- maybe just say, but then you'd have to do all that, like, well, who told you, and blah, blah, blah. So I I understand the morals and the strictures of the day, why they did this, and maybe for the book, for book reasons, obviously. But it just feels like you would want to tell your sisters, like, hey, watch out for this guy, he's a dick. It's a little weird, though, because wasn't she going around, because of Wickham's uh, talking about Darcy, she was going around, you know, saying Darcy's a dick for yeah. a lot of reasons that Wickham was saying. Yet now that we have this point that Wickham's a dick, we're not talking about any of the reasons that Wickham's a dick. Well, I feel like that's a weird there's a little um, reference in the book to the fact that Lizzie doesn't actually need to tell anybody that Wickham is a dick because the second that Darcy leaves town, he tells everyone. Oh. Like, he tells everyone his story. So that's oh, a book good. thing. It's a book okay. thing. But, okay. um, but everyone is already aware because because mm-hmm. essentially he's now learning that Wickham's been sitting around there being a dickum and so he's like oh yeah let me <laughs> let me resolve this problem then everybody he's a dick i'm a i'm a kind of a dick but less of a dick than what he said well and darcy would never have told other people right yeah. like the only of, reason that lizzie picks up on it because of the pride because of because he's proud that's mm. the pride he's that's too the proud pride. Pride. That's that's the pride prejudice it's the pride and yeah. also he yeah. was rude to her and that's that's the prejudice oh yeah <laughs> There's so a lot of pride and a lot of pride. It's it's there are many pro, there are many sources of pride and many issues of prejudice, subjects of prejudice throughout. These are among them. Dung dung. This is, this is a very well yeah, titled book. I think they kind of yeah. come down on the side of the regiment are leaving. So it's gonna the problem's gonna solve itself. Um, Darcy told us this in confidence, and he clearly cares for and has a lot of concerns about his sister and so this would be revealing something private that happened to her it was very very shameful for women to exist basically but also to get embroiled in any kind of relationship with a man that did not result in a union in the church like there were just so many like she would be much more harmed than Wickham so as long as Wickham's not actively out harming anyone I understand their decision, but of course we all know because of the time we live in and et cetera. And because we've read the book is that, you know, uh, predators are going to predate and yeah. yeah. Um, but from their point of view, the regiment are leaving town. Mr. Darcy's left town. Let's just let sleeping dogs lie. But we see much later that Mrs. Gardner, like, is not picking up on the sort of like eyebrow signals that Lizzie's sending, or Mrs. Gardner is like, but Lizzie, this is so weird. Wickham's so good, and Mr. Darcy's so bad. Can you believe this? And Lizzie's just like, oh god, stop talking. What have I done? <laughs> like it, yeah. It it as I think Janine said, it immediately starts to cause some issues. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. The next morning, we're at the table. Uh, with all the sisters and Mr. and Mrs. Bennett and an enormous joint of beef. <laughs> Did you guys notice that roast on the table oh, yeah. at their breakfast? It was huge. It was right in front of Mr. Bennett. And I was like, they don't have any money. And yet this. Okay, fine. Well, <laughs> the reason they don't have any money is because they don't budget. So it's, okay. it's less 
they have the mon- they have the beef in spite of not having the money. It's that they have the beef so they don't have the money. Okay. All right. So they're having their sumptuous roast beef breakfast when Lydia is just inconsolable that the regiment is leaving town because her life might as well fucking be over. All the soldiers are gone. What else do I have to do? I'm I'm heartbroken. And then Mrs. Bennett agrees. And then Mr. Bennett is like, no, we're not fucking going to Brighton with them. We are not. The case is closed. We're not going. We're not going. And Lydia's like, Mm, I'm going to find a way. This is is the other quote from this episode that lives in my head rent-free. So last year I was in our London office for work and I was going down to uh, a little bit further south in England to visit a friend. And she said, let's go to Brighton. It's about an hour long train train right away. There's this beautiful palace, all these things. And I was like, great. So I'm chatting with Scotty. Scotty, I'm really excited. Work is ended. I'm going to go long weekend with my friend. It's going to be great. I'm telling her all about the palace from some dissolute son of a king. It was his palace where he did mistresses and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling her about it, and it sounds so beautiful. And perfectly on cue, Scotty goes, Oh, I want to go to Brighton. Exactly <laughs> the way Lydia did. <laughs> Yay. Good job, Scotty. That's hilarious. <laughs> My last note for this scene is we will never go to Brighton. I just had a three sisters moment. Yeah. And then um, now Jane and Lizzie have a reprise of their really intimate scene, but this time Isn't they're the, outside. Hold on. Didn't we skip one of the great Mary Bennett moments? Is this the one where? Oh, she's like, I, it won't bother me if we don't I go. would much rather sit up with a book. Book. <laughs> that's right. And Lydia, Lydia goes, oh, <laughs> yeah, which that's me too. Like, I, I mean, Mary respect this it's the world that made you like this mary it's the world it's i blame the world however you suck you suck a lot and when lydia does that every time i'm like i know (laughs) stop shaming other women for their interests if she's interested in the regiment let her be interested in the regiment and you could be interested in being an asshole Quite contrary. Uh, Quite contrary, indeed. Quite. Quite. So, speaking of bluebells and cockle shells, Jane and Elizabeth are outside in the garden snipping some daisies and just kind of, like, rehashing their chat and getting it out. And then Jane does something that makes me very, very sad. Yeah. Where she... She's obviously depressed because she really thought that she was in love with Bingley and that he was in love with her. And she just can't understand how somebody who she esteemed so highly could just drop her like that and she's just having a hard time and lizzie's like trying to console her and then jane does this shit where she's like you know what i'm not gonna think about him anymore and then you just see her like push it all down inside and she's like i'm fine i'm not gonna think about it yeah that was and it's oh god it's so sad she's really you know that's how she's that's how she's lived her entire life that's the only way that a person like jane can live is to just take slights and just bury he will be forgot i think that's the line it gets me oh she's so Mm -hmm. good and she says like truly lizzie i shall be myself again yeah i shall be perfectly well i shall be perfectly content content oh content it's very sad um they're both so good in this scene 
but also their costumes are really good. I'm really upset. It's a really great Lizzie dress, but also mm-hmm. they look a lot alike. Yeah. Yeah. Jane's has a smaller print, but yeah. the fabric is very similar. And I too noted that it's very pretty. And the second you try to think, well, what could the costume designer have been thinking? There are like seven possibilities that present themselves where it like, maybe it's because they're in a similar emotional state, but Lizzie doesn't realize it. So her dress has to shout louder or maybe it's underlining the connection and, um, and what Lizzie knows and is withholding from her sister and the reasons she is not telling her and all, and there, there are just lots of options. They're mm-hmm. separate from the rest of the family because they're removed from this particular kind of folly. Um, they're mm-hmm. united in sort of hopelessness. They feel the same sort of burdens, lots of possibilities, which means it's a really good costume design because yes. whichever one it is, maybe it's all of them, maybe it's none of them, but it certainly puts us in a position to think that way, which is so cool. And then mom comes along and ruins everything. Oh, guys, I have a joke for this one. (laughs) Allison, please go. I was trying to think what we should call this scene in which Mrs. Bennett is so mad about this, about the Collinses and what they're going to do when she's dead, when Mr. Bennett is dead and they're going to move in right away and who needs Mm -hmm. them. And then she's talking about Bingley and how wrong he did Jane and how this, that, the other. And then she says, well, when she dies of a broken heart, that'll show him, which is just, you can see Lizzie go, I'm thinking about murdering my mother. Like, you know, I got to hold it in really hard. Um, and I thought, what would I call that scene? What shorthand would I call the like, maybe Mrs. Bennett peak? It's really hot. There are other peaks coming, but one of the most Mrs. Bennett moments, what would I call it? And I decide that we should call it. I'm sorry. No one is going to think this is as funny as me. I'm building it up so much. We should call it the be deader blanket. <laughs> Be deader. Because be deader. Allison. <laughs> because she's really telling me She is always talking about when people die, though. Be Everybody, deader. when her husband dies. Now, what, Jane, why don't you go ahead and die? That'll make him feel bad. Let's just all die. What if, yeah. it's, what if it's this? What if they're so used to making excuses for Mrs. Bennett and her irrational behavior that every time she's not throwing be better blankets, she's throwing be deader blankets, and then they sigh and pick them up and just add a little line down the middle of the D so that it looks like a B. <laughs> so that it's not quite as so egregious. So that it's slightly less hateful. Speaking of be better blankets, you guys, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. This week, I got a package from a friend of mine, Julia. She also has listened to the podcast for forever, but I knew her before. We knew each other from Portland. She fucking knitted us a be better blanket, y'all. It's so cool. It's fu- it's awesome. It's like a perfect little lap blanket, and it says be better on it's, it. And I so shat myself. While we're on the subject, <laughs> while we're on the subject of um, of people who listen to the podcast being really crafty in ways that specifically reference Janine. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mary made the internet uh, made a cross stitch pattern um, for herself, which I promptly said, please tell me, tell me the, the thread, like what thread guide I need here, like what colors. Um, And she sent it to me, but it's, uh, but it's of Janine wearing his black robe with his beard and his and his hazel eyes because she checked on his eye color which i appreciate that in front of a background that's a can of of pomplamoose lacroix and it's then it says pamplety 
And she and I said, you have to tell me when I can put this on the internet. I don't know if you're planning to try to sell the pattern or anything. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I took inspiration from other people's patterns, so I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. But let me think for a minute. And then she created a Redbubble site that sells exactly two things, and it's two versions of a sticker of the Babel team. <laughs> And and I ordered ten of them. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm gonna send oh. them. I'm gonna I'm gonna send them to people with with, oh. with the little book plates from my book. That's so <laughs> awesome. That's, it's a wonderful image, and I didn't realize that that's what was on Redbubble. That's really awesome as well. Oh my god! Yep. Oh, I ordered gosh. ten of them. <laughs> They'll be here soon. Anyway. Gosh, I lo- <laughs> love 2020. This is so much it's, fun. I'm sorry. What? That one moment. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. So um, the Fosters ask Lydia to go to Brighton with them, or do you think Mm. she wrote a letter and it was like, please take me to Brighton? It is implied more strongly in the books, but a little bit in the show that Mrs. Forster is not a steady and stable influence as a friend on Lydia, that she is just as young and flighty and kind of officer crazy, even though she is married. I think it's also implied a little bit that Colonel Forster is a bit older than Mrs. Forster. And so is not quite hip to the younger generations stuff, but Mrs. Forster is quite, quite young in the same way that Lydia is both um, chronologically and at heart. And so I'm, I'm sure it was Mrs. Mrs. Forster and Lydia just hatching plans together. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think that the show does a good job of showing this and not telling it. And Mm -hmm. Keenan is right. The book is more explicit. Um, but you know, when you walk into a party and you immediately identify the two girls that you are absolutely going to avoid at all costs. Yes. Um, not because they're horrible people, but just because it is entirely too much and you are too sober. Right. That's them. Allison, without a doubt, you and I have been those bitches. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although usually anymore. it's less giggly and more um, expletives. Yeah, you're right. It's more cussing. <laughs> it's more yeah. like you walk into the party and you hear the true girls going, I don't know. Is that funny if we call somebody a fuck button? I don't know. <laughs> I would kind of, I would want to hang out with me. I'd want to hang out with me. You've met a lot of random strangers in bars, Julie. Yes. Uh, That makes you, that makes you sound like uh, you are not in a monogamous committed sexual relationship. (laughs) Let me rephrase. You have developed friendships, long-term friendships with a lot of random strangers at bars. That is true. Yes. So, sorry, the long and the short of it is Lydia has figured out a way to get her ass to Brighton. And all new clothes. And so she's going to go. And uh, Lizzie takes her dad into the study and sits his ass down and is like, Dad, you have to talk to Lydia. She is fucking everything up. She is making it harder for me. She is making it harder for Jane. She's making it harder for Mary and Kitty. I mean, it's hard enough on Mary as it is, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And Dad's like, we got to let her go. She won't shut up. And I'm like, it's a very path of least resistance. He's like, my life's going to suck if I don't let her go. So yeah. I'm going to let her go. Well, and I think he also, and, and this is, I, I think Mr. Bennett in some versions of, well, in some ways that some people read the book and in some adaptations gets a little bit of a pass compared to the rest of the Bennett family. Um, sometimes when we, when we have cuts or flashes, when Darcy's writing his letter to the bad behavior of the family, Mr. Bennett gets off a little bit easy. And I think that this scene and a couple of other moments are there to remind us that 
while Mr. Bennett we like because he and we like Lizzie and he and Lizzie are always in on jokes and are always sort of he's really sarcastic about his own family. He's really dismissive of his wife and he clearly has not budgeted properly and kind of run his household in a way that protects and provides for everyone. Like the Bennets are still wealthy compared to sort of your average Joe in the Regency. But as we see, they're not Bingley or Darcy wealthy. And they also do have five daughters who are going to be a little bit up Schitt's Creek if, if he croaks Mm -hmm. and nothing has been done. So Mr. Bennett, while, technically not being as foolish as some of the women in the family has his own follies. And this is one of them um, where he says he's sort of thinking like, Oh, she'll go to Brighton and she'll embarrass herself at a party and that'll teach her to grow up. Well, she's already embarrassed herself at parties, dad. And like, he's clearly not realizing that whatever internal shame mechanism that like has set all of his other daughters on the path to being upright, like socially aware people is not working with Lydia. And this is mm-hmm. um, kind of his moment of Bennett folly where he doesn't listen and he, he just kind of refuses to be aware of the gravity of the situation. Right. I don't want to spoil I just wrote, it. Dad is wrong. No. Dad is very wrong. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but, but what Mr. Bennett thinks is going to happen is Lydia will go to Brighton. She'll make a bit of an ass for herself and that'll teach her. Right. Instead, what happens is Lydia goes to Brighton and Mr. Bennett makes a bit of an ass of himself and that teaches him. (laughs) Right. Like Mm -hmm. instead of it happening to Lydia, it happens to him. Yes. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, sorry, spoiler, but uh, this is not a decision that's going to go over well. No. And I then I wrote the note. How old is Mrs. Foster? Because yeah. we have that giggling montage with her and oh you realize goodness. that's when I really realized that she's nothing more than a teenager either. And like fucking married to that guy who's probably in his early 50s. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Um, now this is Wickham saying goodbye to Lizzie. So this is the scene that Allison was very excited about was the the like coded toe to toe between Lizzie and Wickham about his uh what she learned about him without actually saying it. So Allison, please. It's so good because you can see, and this is one of those moments where um, Emma Thompson would weep because Andrew Davies is, un- <laughs> no, I'm, I should really stop beating the drum about this completely fictionalized rivalry I've created in my head. Um, is that, what's the, what's the, is there a shipping word for that? Like where you've made up a fight that doesn't exist? I don't know. This is there not RuPaul's be, best friend racism. Um, tank. <laughs> yes. Tanking it. Tanking it. Not best friend race. Um, it's uh, whatever it is. It's a, t- a total fiction. But um, yeah. I think Andrew Davies does a really good job of no of showing us Lizzie's internal decision making process because she isn't rude right, right away. She even plays along a little bit, right? Like she's a little removed. She's not encouraging, but she's not making any, she's not making a scene. She's, she's very not polite, making a meal very of it. friendly she's, and warm. Yes. Like we shall have to find a way to bear it. You are off in your own way. I am off in my other way. It's only when he starts to to try to manipulate her and try to her get out info that mm-hmm. she starts to really lay down the law. Cuz the first instance the baby tree that begins all of this is when she says we we shall you are for brighton and i for the lakes and i'm sure we shall both find ample sources of fashion fascination and delight in our different ways yes pause (laughs) in our different ways 
and you're like, oh, and you can see him go, huh? Mm-hmm. And then it, oh, it just gets worse. It just, it like every step when he's trying to figure out who she met, he tries to sort of draw her back into his sympathies with regard to Darcy. And then when she says, oh, well, you know, I, my experience of him was different this time around. That's when he starts to get wary. And they're both so good. You can watch Lizzie get more and more affronted without ever breaking her composure. And you can watch him getting more and more uncertain until he basically goes like, uh, mm, goodbye. And then he just, <laughs> he, like he can't take it anymore. <laughs> It is really good. It's a great scene. It's a very good scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good scene. Echoed that for sure. Then we have Lydia leaving for Brighton in her incredible bonnet. Mm. Y'all, it's the prettiest bonnet. It really is. I know I shade on Lydia for being kind of a like fluffle butt, but this bonnet was worth it. It's a good great bonnet, bonnet. great jacket. The, she, she gets in the a carriage and drives away and then poor kitty. Oh, hold on. She gets in the carriage face plants. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's one of my favorite. It's such a good I little forgot. detail. Like it tells you so much about that character that she's so excited to go to Brighton that she just goes, Oh, wouldn't it have been hilarious if I broke my skull open? Bye. <laughs> just, and I, have I to love say, it. So I typed much. this in the crowdcast, but my English teacher in high school, I remember pausing this being so excited about this scene. There is another fall in Austin that happens at a pivotal moment um, in a different novel that we'll get to. But like, she was so excited about the symbolic nature of this particular fall because Lydia, Lydia is so excited to hurl herself to Brighton that she face plants in the carriage. So she's literally about to be a fallen woman. Oh, you and oh. turns to the camera and says, wouldn't it be such a lark if I were to fall and break my head? head because she's Whoa. about to be a fallen woman that you blew my mind it's not me now. it's my english teacher she did great well, way uh, to go english teacher mm-hmm. uh, because i never picked up on that being a reference to that other austin fall until this moment and the second you said that i was like oh mm-hmm. brilliant mm-hmm. incredible character comparison um like yes. funny austin in joke like oh that's great that's yeah. great that's what we're here for Thank you. Ooh, you're welcome, yeah. pals. But yeah, so so this we are we see Lydia, and the last we see of her for the time being is she has fallen. Hmm. Foreshadowing. Put that in your pipe and mm-hmm. smoke it, Janine. All right, so so we keep hearing Lizzie say that Why she's Janine. He because know. he doesn't know what's coming. Oh, and we do. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, what? What? Why? Listen, that didn't no. sound like, so you ruminate on that, Janine. It sounded like, so fuck you, Janine. <laughs> well, there's also that. Because it looks like, are we getting to Wad? Let's get to Wad. Like, for good or for ill, Janine stands in for the patriarchy on this podcast. Oh. And sometimes I got to let him have it. No, listen. Hey, and I, I accept it, and it's deserved. So okay. that there's so, no. Yeah. So, so Lizzie's we'll also going somewhere and she's been talking about how she's going to go to uh, the lakes region or whatever with the gardeners. And then they end up being like, you know what? I've got some Mr. Gardeners. Like I got some business. I'm not, we're not going to be able to go that far, but we are going to go to Derbyshire. And she's like, <laughs> because if you remember the party when at Mrs. Phillips, when Darcy met Mrs. Gardner and they talked about Derbyshire and she like grew up real close to Pemberley. And now they're going to go back to that area. And Lizzie's like, uh, um, okay, okay, okay. Okay. And then she even goes out of her way to make sure that he's not in town, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, fine, fine. So she goes to 
really quick. Derbyshire with a gardener. I feel like we should emphasize just really quick that it's Wickham that she has that conversation with because the scene where she meets Darcy is really important. So, um, so yeah, Mrs. so she Gardner has this conversation with the conversation. Oh yes. yes, yes, yes. So she has not met Mr. Darcy, but she knows who he is because of where she's from. She has met mm-hmm. Wickham, so she heard a lot of this Wickham nonsense straight from him. Um, yes. So and she's in a very similar him world. And, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and again, they're from the same place, so it is all Wickme and Darcy-ish all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a cut to Darcy still trying to fucking work it out, and he is fencing for his life. <laughs> He is very sweaty and he's in the big blousy like poet shirt and he's sweaty. He was reposting and thrusting. It was great. Yes. And his hair is like plastered to his forehead. And he is he is really he's got a bad (laughs) y'all. And he's really just trying to will it out of his body. And I love the moment where he says thank you to the guy who was fencing with because it that's the first time that we ever really actually see him treat a quote-unquote inferior with like nothing but respect and it's like i see where we're going here Mm -hmm. there's also a really good janine was joking about the foley um being really good in this episode lots of gravel crunching and whatnot so much but one of them is here and it's when his fencing master whips his foil through the air and he's like very good sir it's like a it's like the loudest. I love it so much. I look forward to it every time I watch the show. And that with like the one two punch of that ridiculous absurd like whoosh, another sir. good And then Darcy goes, I shall master this. I shall. And it's the best. It's so it's hot. Very, he's so trying pensive. to he's trying to he's trying to work it out, but he can't. He's trying to work trying to whip it. Ooh. Whip it good. Into shape. Yeah. Um Lizzie goes rock climbing on what Neil referred to when we first started seeing the Derbyshire countryside, which is beautiful. He goes, that's a fucking tour right there. That's a tour. So she's <laughs> rock climbing on a tour and we're treated to great Derbyshire porn. God, that, this is a moment when, when Tori <sighs> said, continued on a roll. She, she said, touch it, Lizzie. It's a dick rock. <laughs> yes. And then she said, or maybe it wasn't Tori. One of them said, um, Lizzie is totally Jamie's type. Which, that's true. It's true. Yeah, we gotta keep the crossover going. Oh, and Allison, did you share that I discovered there is an actor who overlaps between Outlander and PNP? I don't think so. No, which one? Mr. Hurst, who is married to one of Bingley's sisters. Yeah. The actor plays, and Allison, you'll have to help me. The father of the um, who's who's the English Lord uh, of Hellwater. The dad who goes kind of crazy. Oh, Geneva's father. Geneva's father. Yes. He plays Geneva's father in Outlander. The one that like grabs the baby in mm-hmm. the knife fight. Mm-hmm. You remember that shit? Oh my God. That show's crazy. So he's our time traveler and he's going to be our, over, our, our through character. Interesting. He's going to bring us our crossover. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, they go to breakfast where they're staying. I presume it's Mrs. Gardner's family's home where they're staying. They're staying in Lashling, though, right? Like where she grew up. At, an oh, inn. at the inn. Mm-hmm. At the inn. Thank yeah. you. They're having breakfast at the inn, and the very nice maid comes in, and they inquire about Pemberley. Like, is the family in? Could we possibly go take a look at fucking Pemberley? And the maid's like, oh, they're, the family's out. It's fine. The maid there will give you a tour. Also, my brother's like a groom there, and everybody's cool. It's cool. Go. And so... Here's my next all capital note. 
Let's go to Pemberley. <laughs> My favorite shit is coming out. All right. What do you think of Pemberley? Pemberley? Yeah, I want a Janine reaction. Because Julie and I were of two minds. We thought if you were, if because you are very adept at flipping on that female gaze switch and appreciating why it might appeal to people differently, right? You're very good at that. So if you had your little female gaze switch flipped, maybe it was going to appeal to you in one way. And if instead you were thinking about eating the rich, it was going to appeal to you in a very different way. And I'm curious oh, yes. which Janine dominated. You uh, you hit it on the nail on the head. It was the eat the rich. Uh, <laughs> because all I could do was, because uh, have I told you my experience when I went to Versailles? No, I when I so I was uh, my first trip to to Paris, and then I went out and did, went to Versailles and like w- tried to walk through that fucking big ass mansion. All I could do the entire fucking time was going, "Who built this? How many people lived here? Who the fuck took care of this fucking place? This is fucking egregious." I was so fucking mad, and unfortunately, Pemberley brought up some of those feelings again. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. Because for me, it brings up nothing but love. <laughs> and for Lizzie, when her face sees it for the first time, Neil and I both agreed that there is only one line in cinematic history that really fits her brain space in that moment when she first sees Pemberley as they come around the bed. And that is new shit has come to light, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> and that you see it yeah. you see that shit happen in her face when she like sees it oh, oh wait a minute yeah. I'm a, I, f- it, I need to think about I this feel was, like it's very clear that she just like it was like oh oh hello this yeah. is I'm like eat the rich but I could see it in her face where she's like oh fuck oh yeah it's fuck this is pretty I feel like <laughs> there is some perspective that it is very difficult that anything but a book would have a hard time capturing um in this, which is 100% part of it is like, oh shit, he's rich, rich. Okay. That's alarming. And, um, wow. Of all that, of all this, I could have been mistress. Right. But then Mm -hmm. there are other layers, a big one being that part of his whole argument of like, you have to understand that like, I cannot help doing this. I love you so much that I cannot help proposing to you, despite the fact that I absolutely should not marry you. And seeing the level of which he's rich, I think, makes her understand what a struggle that must have been for him. Because it is such a jump down in station and situation. She's also been hearing him talked about throughout the village as being a generous and kind and attentive landholder. Um, so she's primed for all of that. So that is part of it. But beyond that, Austin does a really good job in this and in a couple of other books, actually, of underlining that some of the landed gentry viewed all of this viewed their duty to the land and the property and history and the people who lived near them um, as being something really sacred. So you could arrive at someone's home and see the care that they put into it, not just that it's incredibly um, valuable land or that their possessions are valuable or costly. Here it's like there's a... um, a certain amount of tenderness, I guess, toward the place where he lives. It's understated. They're, they talk. Austin talks about specifically the lake is situated and the house is situated in such a way on the lake that you can see that there's a view from basically everywhere, and the image of the house lands on the lake in a way that's really pleasing. 
Um, and all of that speaks to his character. So it is absolutely on some level, holy shit, I think I accidentally turned down the proposal of a gazillionaire. Whoops. That is part of it. <laughs> but it's also like, oh, I'm learning more about who this person is by looking at the care that he takes of this place and the people around him. It's not about yeah. ostentatiousness. It's not about a dis an overt display of wealth. It's the way and it's all set up showcases the land and serves the land and the people who live there and it's accessible and beautiful and all of those things. And I think there's supposed to be um, a an explicit contrast between Lady Catherine because I think... Lizzie sees him at Rosings and thinks, oh, well, if this is his aunt, this is what he is like. He is, I mentioned my name at the bell and they will attend you. He, you know, he's mm -hmm. silk and draped in lace for no reason. And, and like, these are his people. This is what he comes from. And there's just sort of like an ostentation to the wealth and a, and a, you know, I think it's strongly implied that there's like some sort of weird inbreeding because Lady Catherine's daughter is is a little bit of a dud and um, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get to Pemberley and it is incredibly tasteful. It's incredibly beautiful. It's clearly someone who is intelligent and curious and interested in. And as Allison said, they only hear good things about him from people yeah. in the village and from servants and from people who knew him. And Mrs. Gardner keeps being like, well, this is very contrary to what we were told. And then Lizzie's like, well, perhaps, um, perhaps we might've been deceived there. New shit has come to light, New man. New shit has come to light. And Mrs. Gardner's like, well, that's not very likely considering the source. And it's like, oh, I feel like I need Back to up. let my aunt in. But then I would be like, then Jane, I haven't checked with Jane first, so I don't know what to tell. And it's like, but yeah, pe uh, yeah. Contrast nicest, between Rosings and Pemberley is supposed to be pretty clear. The moment when we really, when I think when Lizzie really drops in on this is when the house, um, keeper who is giving them a tour of the house since the Darcy's are out yeah just says somebody I think Mrs. Gardner says oh he is handsome and the housekeeper says I've never met a man so handsome or a man so kind and just like a fact just like blows it off and then they keep walking and you can see that Lizzie is like oh, what okay yeah there's that's the I prejudice because yeah. he was rude to Lizzie first and so she became prejudiced and thought he was rude to everybody and it turns out he's probably just socially awkward because he's very nice to the people who work for him and the people who live on his land. And, yeah. But it is also rude, right? Like, again, I mean, it's definitely, he's it's, proud and rude. It's yes. so good because Lizzie and Darcy, that, God, I just fucking love this book so much. And this is such a good adaptation of it. They're both a little bit rude and they're both a little bit misunderstood by the other, right? Like, it's never quite so cut and dry the, because the real Austin heels, it's obviously the only, if you want to get really into it, you could be like, well, let's talk about the economy and the way that you could advance <laughs> yourself in the world. And that's about it. They're yeah. just assholes. Society yeah. maybe made them assholes is the most generous thing you can say. Um, but Lizzie and Darcy are so flawed and you can understand some of the conclusions they jump to and some of the way they react while also being like, but you weren't very nice about it. Though. I just love yeah. that yeah. she's willing to embrace all of that complexity. Yeah. yeah the, the contextualization of all this, which is every, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm coming to realize this as you all are talking about this. And I think I'm just repeating what you said, but like, it's uh, it, like this context that's available now where she's like, okay, so he is very rich and that's, and I've been around people who have not been as rich as him. And, 
they're dicks. I know they're dicks. Um, he's a bigger dick, but he's also very rich. And he's <laughs> he's coming at it from it, like that. I find that this is there's a shade here. I'm I was so into the eat the rich moment that I'm <laughs> now just realizing how shady not shady <laughs> how many shades of gray there are here well those things are not mutually exclusive either yeah. right like sure. yeah. yes absolutely eat the rich 100 <laughs> yeah. and lizzie's got a little bit of an eat the rich streak to her right she's yeah. like fuck your money i don't need your fucking money and then she sees how much money it is and she's like well i mean i don't yeah. like <laughs> i still don't need your money but like wow like that's like a really nice gallery like look at this view this could have been mine and also that's a very handsome portrait and also everybody around you thinks you're really great and uh and this i mean you do have you take really good care of your home and obviously you love your sister but you were such a dick like it's just she's she's wearing a lovely what's the name of the jacket the little short jackets are spencer's She's wearing a lovely kind of, and Neil called it saffron, saffron colored Spencer. That's very good because a lot of the stuff in the interior of the house is like blue. And so she stands out wherever she is. And then whenever they're outside, it's all green and she pops. So I think that's a really good costuming choice. And then he shows up on his best costume, which is a horse. (laughs) Dude, this guy looks so fucking good on a horse. I swear to fucking God. Neil was like, look at him on that horse. Look at his carriage. He just looks like a man who should be on a horse. Neil can look at his carriage. I'm just going to look at his undercarriage. (laughs) Undercarriage. Get the fuck out. I'm going to look at his barouche box. (laughs) (laughs) Then we see a painting, and I think this is the little, is this the little, like, cameo painting where they're talking and looking in the the mm-hmm. thing and Mrs. Gardner starts to realize, Oh wait, Mr. Darcy might be pretty nice. And Lizzie is like, Oh yeah. And then I just wrote the word once again in all caps. Formative. Formative. <laughs> yes. Because what happens next is undeniably formative in my sexual awakening. Yeah. Undoubtedly. So Darcy is on his horse. He's, he does not know that Lizzie is there. He has no idea that there's anyone in his beautiful house at Pembele and he comes he's arriving a day early because we find out from the housekeeper he's not he's not due back until tomorrow but guess what here he is and he rides up and he's just still so fucking pissed and just hot under the collar that he can't take it he's steamed. and he sits down like you can see the steam coming off uh, sweaty and he sits down by the little pond and he's got a moment of self-reflection and then this time is the first time I ever noticed this particular thing Right before he decides to jump in, there a look goes across his face that is so, I think it's him finally internalizing that she was right. Like he has this, like his entire face changes right before he jumps into the pond lake. And he goes for it because oh, he's got to clean himself. He's got to get move on. He's got to get this out of his idea of shock to the system, right? I think that's his thinking. Is like, I just need to shock myself out of this. Kind of a baptism the, thing. A cleansing. A little, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. And he comes up out of the water. And then you see him come over this little ridge. And it's a, in between these trees. And I just wrote, sun dappled. <laughs> Let me pause you for just a second. Because I think there's an element of this. Of the because this also formative memory for me, and I don't want to blow past mm-hmm. it completely because no, as take your time as Darcy is getting ready to do his his leap of his like cold shower 
his cold <laughs> shower dive is what it is. Um, Lizzie is strolling through a beautiful hallway because his faithful housekeeper is bringing them to see the finer, larger portrait of him. So as he crests the hill <laughs> headed towards this pond, we see Lizzie gazing up at a beautiful portrait of Colin Firth. Like, be- it, it's just... And it makes him look very sympathetic and very kind, too. It's a, it's a very yes, like, it's warm, nice portrait. It's I just, warm. Yes. I just had a random hope. I hope Colin Firth got that. Me too. It was all done. Me, Me too. too. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I, I was like, yes. where is that portrait now? Yes. And does hey, Colin man. Firth have it? I really it? hope he got that. Or maybe it's, it's in the National Gallery or something. Somewhere good. It's a very good portrait. <laughs> yeah, it's it like, it is gorgeous. But it's, we see sort of the image of him as his home views him. Just as we see him enter his home and all of a sudden this figure, this romantic figure that we think of as Mr. Darcy crystallizes. And so she sees it. She has that moment. He has his dive and they're basically at the same time. Then he like hands his beautiful horse off to a friendly servant and starts doing his very drippy like squelch 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 walk (laughs) back to Pemberley as Lizzie already rattled from having this experience and seeing her seeing this incredible portrait comes out and she starts just walking and looking at the beauty of their surroundings and this is when they run into each other when they've both just had this moment of clarity that we also have as we're watching it because we've seen these two images at the same time. So we have our realization Mm -hmm. with her. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let you pick up back up from here, Julie, because this is obviously the like, and this, by the way, because I was the only one who was also sort of watching Janine is when Janine fully lost it was the conversation is really what got to him. Oh, Oh, it's, the conversation is so and good. And music also, by the way. Because just before, just before this moment, there was a pensive clarinet. And I was like, oh. Yep. <laughs> the music is so good. Oh, this scene, people remember it understandably as being the wet-ass Darcy scene, right? Yes. It's, he's dripping wet. You can see through his shirt. Like, chest, like a little bit of nip. Uh, oh. so, and he just looks, his hair is dripping, and the scenery mm. is so beautiful. We understandably remember that part of it a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's one of those, uh, what do you call it, um, when people all sort of collectively make up a thing that didn't happen. Because a lot of oh. people talk about this scene, remembering when Colin Firth comes out of the water, like fucking James Bond or something, and it doesn't exist. That scene is not, yeah. it's not in this miniseries. <laughs> he does not rise from the waves. We do not see him, like, yeah. break. It's not Little yeah, Mermaid. No, like, we have ah! a, this collective memory, because we can all picture We all imagine it, it exactly. Like we there. all want yes. it, because it's in the permanent yeah. spank bank. It is, it's like, it's... It, it is. This is the crystallized sort of impenetrable yeah. forever moment of this miniseries. It's to me. It is. First of all, it's fucking beautiful because he's an attractive man, and just the romantic idea of the regency and knowing he's on his beautiful property and all that stuff's very kind of turn on-y. But it's also because he he's so comfortable there. Yes, and you can see that 
in all the previous experience we've had with him where he's somewhere else, he's never comfortable. But now here he's really dropped in and he's just, this is where I, where I am. This is me. You know what he is? He's the Laird. He's the Laird. He is and the fucking he's Laird. come home to Lallybrock, bitch. That's yes. totally what this is. And also, yeah. I should and say, this is the scene, this is why I jumped on the Lake episode episode, is because, obviously, but um, I remember when we were talking about Outlander underwear, and we came mm-hmm. up with, what do the fellas wear for their undercrackers? And this is what I said, is that at this time period, there were no sort of, like, old-timey boxers or old-timey briefs. Like, men did not have, apart from, you know, like, stockings or the long shirt... Um, there weren't really kind of bottom half undergarments for the dudes. And so I remember telling Julie this fact and uh, Julie being a little bit perturbed, but essentially when Lizzie slightly turns to one side and Mr. Darcy is in front of her, he is in his underwear wet in front of her because the shirt is the undergarment. It's so long. Thank you, Jane Austen. Because you would, well, this is not in the book. Thank you, this Andrew is, Davies. Thank you, Andrew Davies. Drew <laughs> Davies. All right, thank you. Um, but those long shirts were worn, and you just kind of, like, tucked them, and that was what went around, kept separated your bits from your trousers, is your long shirt. So mm-hmm. the, she would never have seen a man in this kind of state of undress before ever maybe if there was some kind of shenanigans near Longbourn related to farming and there were people in the field or something or other but certainly not this tall drink of water in his undercrackers at his house and so she's very embarrassed and wrong-footed because oh my god I'm blushing and there's this tall man in front of me and I'm in his house and I just roundly rejected his marriage proposal and accused him of all these things and some of them were right but on some of them I was really off the mark and oh god I'm about to melt into the floor he similarly is oh god this is the woman who just absolutely spanked me in refusing my marriage <laughs> proposal and I am wet and in my underwear in front of her and also why is she at my house and oh god what have people been saying about me to her uh like they're in the same way that they've both had the kind of epiphany and the crystallizing moment of self-recognition and recognizing the other they are both immediately embarrassed to run into each other and it's masterful Mm -hmm. the small talk the way it's so halting he's so like all of a sudden his swagger is gone like he's just so uncomfortable and she's uncomfortable and they're just trying to (laughs) make it through this conversation he basically does uh, how are you how's How's your your family? family Mm-hmm. And and how's how's, how's, your, how's your sisters, too? Okay, so like also how's your sisters? And I hope that they are healthy. So how are you? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like just and then yeah. he just goes. <gasps> 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 Pardon, like a. <gasps> and then off he goes, uh, and just like books it away. Like mm, I have to do a thing, and then off he goes. And he's, he's like, "Excuse me," and she's. It's oh my, my this is maybe my favorite moment of hers in the entire series because it's the second I saw it, I was like, that's someone who understands her body and like the way that she processes emotions really well. It is not a thing that you think, oh, that is a thing people do when they are sad. And then you see it, and I've done it hundreds of times. She's standing there totally frozen, like frozen, frozen. And her aunt gardener comes over and says, like, oh, is that Mr. Darcy? That's so weird. And but he surely does look handsome, whatever she says. And there it's maybe 25 seconds. Like she's just talking. She says something about like um, 
he does look a lot like his picture, though less formally attired. Yes, it, though yes. less nice. Right? And she goes, oh, we have to go at once. And her <laughs> we entire, have to go, we have to go like right her now. arms go up in the air like she's trying to push away <laughs> the thing that just happened to her. We must leave at once. And then she turns and books it. She's walking so fast. She's like a tourist trying to prove that they're not a slow walker in New York City walking. <laughs> like she just like and Mrs. Gardner and Mrs. Gardner are both trying to like keep up. So they're funny. Like, and they're like, what you, and, and like they're like, what'd you guys talk about? And she's like, well, he asked me how my family was. And they get into the carriage and we think that's going to be it. But Darcy's gone inside and changed in like 10 seconds. 10 seconds. His hair is still wet. Right. I'm going to say that his porter is a hero yes. here because it takes a while to get into those clothes. And yeah. he's just like, get it. Come on. I wish we could have seen this moment. <laughs> this moment, if we had seen this moment, I bet it would have been very reminiscent of the moment we're going to see when we watch the new Emma movie where the guy freaks out and throws himself on the floor. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Cool. Where he just fucking runs in and is like, Douglas, move, move, move. Let's do this. Get quick it. Change, pants, quick pants, change. Pants. Quick change. Like, Come on. And he comes running out right as they're pulling away. With the, just in time to say the goodbye. The one curl. Well, just in time to oh. be polite. Yes. The Great. goodbye sure is that the it's hottest. A good, but mm-hmm. instead he's like, hi, I'm so, now I'm composed. I took my Xanax. Everything's fine. How, how are you doing, actually? It's so nice to see you here. Where are you staying? That's great. Who are these lovely people? Would you please introduce me to them? Yeah. I know that I would have pretended that I didn't want to meet them two weeks ago, but I've realized I'm an asshole. Can, will you please give me an opportunity to like to your relatives? Please come and fish on my land anytime you want. <laughs> come come every day if you want. He has the sweet move of asking Mrs. Gardner where she's from and then saying, there's a particular chestnut tree in that area. that," And she's like, oh, my tree. <laughs> so it's like this perfect little, like he's paying attention and he's sensitive and he understands, like, oh, it's just so lovely. And then he's like, Mr. Gardner, come fish my pond. Let's go look. Hey, you guys, let's take a look around. Come on. And he's like, let's go. But then they drive away. Mm, no, they talk first because they, they skate oh, up to right. a couple of things where they're like, wow, the last time we talked, I was a real dick about this. Like he mentions Mr. Bingley and they're both like, Ugh. oh, that's the big thing. He oh, yeah, invites, he's coming to town. He in, he's having guests come and he invites Lizzie back to Pemberley. So not only did she intrude, but she is invited back. And he says there are some members of the party who are known to you. So he clearly is not going to try to keep her and Bingley apart. He's going to let a Bennett and a Bingley meet again, come what may. And he said, I would like to introduce you to my sister. Meeting the family. And then he takes her hand to help her into the carriage. And it's so gentle. You can see how gently Colin Firth fucking kills the i mean they both are incredible in these scenes but he makes it so clear that his heart is just breaking when he hands her up into that carriage oh my i hope i will see you very soon oh and then they drive away and she can't help it she turns around and there he is just watching her walk away or right away in his fucking beautiful waistcoat and pants and he stares longingly after her barouche box as it travels down the road it's not a barouche box and that's that's the end of the episode y'all this episode is the best one so far it was so good it's a classic such a good episode it's it's, I mean there's a reason that that Keenan attempted to bribe me (laughs) not really Um, I want this one she immediately was like legs I was like okay great let's do it let's do it 
Let's take a tour of the countryside with Mr. and Mrs. Gardner. Um, okay. Any final thoughts before we do our scales? Well, I'm ready for scales, baby. Let's start. Masterful. First of all, who is our golden butthole? Who's our TGB of the week? The golden butthole. The best butthole of the week. There are some good ones. There are mm. some good ones. I'm like, I think it might be Lydia. I was going to say Lydia, I too. So. I mean, yeah. Mr. Collins was very Mr. Collinsy, and Mr. Wickham, we learn about the true extent of his buttholeness. But Lydia was, Lydia was a butt. She was. She took it to another level. She was. She mm-hmm. made yeah. took money from people and made them buy her lunch, and then was obnoxious in the carriage on the ride home, and then it continues mm-hmm. to be mean to Kitty. Is absolutely setting herself up for a fall. Um, because she did it in the carriage. Um, yeah, I think it's Lydia. Yeah, I think so too. Wickham is the my favorite butthole scene is the Wickham scene, but yeah. that's mm-hmm. more about Lizzie casting aspersions lizzie planting baby trees than it is about him it's just fun watching him squirm so i think i'm gonna agree lydia yeah okay yeah do you agree oh yeah cool. Con- i i am totally in agreement all she right was a um now i'm gonna have to try to remember the cutesy scale names i should have written them down uh so first of all the shade one is the Aspen. shade one we're changing the name of the best shade category uh, at the suggestion of a listener who reached out to me on twitter and humbly suggested that the aspen the shadiest tree native to england it should be the aspen factor so it's now the aspen the factor, aspen factor. Your, yes the Ooh. aspen the factor. sickest burn is the aspen factor so what is your pick the sickest like burn it. it's got to be something that lizzie says to wickham right there are some good ones there are some yeah. good ones i'm trying to think if there's uh if there's something that lady Catherine says mine is you are very dull this evening, Miss. I am quite <laughs> yes. out. Yeah, that's very yeah. good. You are very dull. Like it's it's like it's it's kind of just like it's not a baby tree. It's like a and it's not a big tree. It's just like a very like I put just put a tree in your path. Yeah, here's here's some shade. <laughs> here's some and shade. And it's not even real shade. It's just like it's just like you're boring. You're boring. <laughs> yeah, Miss I, I, Bennett. You are so dull. I, I kind of want to give it to Lady Catherine for that. I, I think okay. mine is gonna yeah. be. Oh, astonish me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's also good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, astonish me. <laughs> lots of options, though. Mm-hmm. There are lots of yeah. options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also, man, he's really going to be sorry when Jane dies of a broken heart. <laughs> oh, my God. That Well, that puts her in the role for uh, running for fucking butthole. Butthole. Oh, That's yeah. true. <laughs> that's like it's honorable mention God. butthole. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, okay. And then, did we have a cutesy name for the costumes one? I'll remember. I'll remember so. next week. The costumes one. What's your favorite costume or undergarment? I'm definitely going with Lizzie's bisexual nightgown. <laughs> nice. I think I have to go with that the final outfit that she's wearing when she's touring Pemberley. Oh, it's so good. I love that that brown bonnet that is two different shades of brown. Like the the lighter brown around her face really brings makes her face pop, and then she's got that uh, kind of orangey saffron, as Neil said. Uh, what's it called again? Um, Spencer. Spencer, thank you, that really just serves to make her pop wherever she walks in that entire set. I think that one's my favorite. I would go with uh, Colin Firth's last outfit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, that's good. I feel the wet hair. It's a good outfit. 
Yeah, and like even take the hair out of it. But I think don't never don't. Sorry, my I, it's that was an part affront. of it. Don't that you was an affront. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the wet hair, but the 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 blue and like the colors and just the way it fit was, mm-hmm. and obviously the way he was acting too, like mm-hmm. the the change in his manner, it just felt lighter and it felt like that nice kind of comfy coat you just put on. I don't know. I dug it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, I really do like Lydia's going to Brighton outfit. Um, yeah. There's so much going on. The bonnet is genuinely beautiful, but it's also, it's ostentatious. Like it's a clearly brand new outfit. All right. All right. Oh, I didn't mean to. Um, it's clearly brand new in a way that a youngest daughter would not normally get in like Clothing, uh, fabric itself was so expensive that it was handed down in people's wills. Like, we have Mm -hmm. no concept of how expensive clothing was. There were, you could have a bolt of cloth that was, like, worth a house. Um, So Mm -hmm. younger daughters did not get whole new wardrobes on the reg, especially for a family that, even though they're a little not fiscally responsible, is, you know, they are aware that they are not super wealthy. So I really like that outfit because Lydia has clearly got an up to the minute New Spencer, new bonnet, ready to go to Brighton. So I really like that. But um, I was thinking of the shot as Colin Firth has just done his quick change and is like sprinting through his his like outdoor cloister area thing to try to head Lizzie off as she scoots back to the carriage. And you see him in the trim little waistcoat and you see him pulling his coat on and he looks so tall and put together, but also at home and relaxed. Like in every ballroom previously, it seems like his like neckerchief is a little too tight and here it's just like no I'm just this is what I look like enjoy it and you're welcome here's Pemberley Mm -hmm. uh I really like that outfit (laughs) oh by the way let me show you around the place (laughs) (laughs) so oh god I love this episode um it's a good episode Janine did you pick a costume you did right we did. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he picked Mr. Darcy. All right. Yeah. Uh, we're almost done here. Uh, so the next one there, again, there was a cutesy name, but I don't remember it right now. The sexual tension scale. Oh my God. <laughs> off the fucking charts. But you got to like, yeah, the charts, like, the moment when they see each other, when he's in fucking all wet, that moment when they, mm-hmm. that shock between them is just, pal- it's palpable and it's just sexy. And they've both been pissed and horny for days <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> They both realize somewhere deep inside, this is definitely the only P for my P. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I like to think about that P and my P. Yeah. And they both have been. And this moment is the closest, the most intimate moment they've had so far. So whatever they've been spanking it to for the last several days, it's like right here. Yeah. A thing I love that I really value in period piece cinema, television, is... Uh, a trope where you have one larger hand gently holding a smaller hand and one or both hands has gloves on. So you're like, they're not touching, but they want to. And like, you can feel Mm -hmm. the heat through the glove. That is some shit that I really appreciate. So we had a, we had a glove moment. Loved it. I, uh, in the, so I actually, I have like a little bit later moment in the, when they're wet and talking. (laughs) (laughs) They both are. Yeah, they are. Uh, so uh, it's when he asks the second time, 
if how her family is and her laugh at it. That's because like before before that moment, you're totally right. They're both like, oh God, yes, fine. Ooh, intimate. We want to touch. Uh, and then at that, once he like fucked up and asked about her family again, <laughs> she was like, oh, he's he's bothered too. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, he's cute. Okay, <laughs> we're into this. I'm kind of. Oh look, yeah. at, you made me laugh. Also, whoo, get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck please. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like that moment. All right. Uh, we've got two more. Uh, first, who is your MVP for the episode? Mr. Darcy. Colin Firth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Colin it's Firth. his episode. Yeah, he, he fucking mm-hmm. earned that. Wad, it's, man. Wad. There are some other real highs, but I agree. It's Love And it's the first between... one, yeah. that transformation, that like opening door is just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get uh, honorable mention. We got some great Lizzie and Jane scenes. Yes, yes, yeah. Two really, really nice ones that I thought both the actresses did such a nice job. That's a great point. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and the last one, how easy or not would it be for you to get up to no. the beer? No, no. Never, yeah. Actually, I was hoping the episode would go for like another fifteen <laughs> to twenty minutes. I'm sort of amazed. Uh, at it's your very self-control, to stop. you could have, Janine, you could have been like, you know what, I'm sitting out this episode. Guys, I got to watch the next one. And I would not have been surprised. It's very difficult to stop watching. Yeah. After an episode of this particular miniseries. It's very difficult to stop watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And like Neil has started sitting in as he did today because <laughs> it's just so fucking. Tom it's, did it's, a little too. I love it. At one it's, point, it's Tom compelling. went, are you muted? And I said, yeah, it's, it's Janine's audio. And he was like, great. And then he had shared a really long point about, <laughs> about like pride and prejudice and like where Lizzie's mental state is at. And I was like, God bless. It's so good. Miniseries. It's just so good. And it makes me feel good. And it's so lovely. And uh, uh, yeah, this is a good project. We had a good yes. idea. Yeah, this is nice. I'm stoked. This is I'm having one. the best time. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up because this is another long one. For those of you who are like, ooh, we broke the two-hour mark, I have a feeling you're going to be pleased because I've still got some shit to say. So briefly, um, we, long-time listeners will know, we have often done a bit where we can't pronounce somebody's name right, where we'll say, like, for Tobias Menzies, we retired that bit uh, when he left the show, um, but Katrina, etc. Um, that uh, is something that our very good friend and longtime listener Jennifer Kowski said hey there's one thing about the show that bugs me and it's this and she gave some really good reasons and I thought about it and then just like a white lady stopped thinking about it so uh, I've been thinking about it more lately Janine and Julie and I talked about it earlier today we are retiring that bit and are sorry we ever made it um, There, we do not know nearly enough about Irish culture about British culture Welsh culture um, certainly we would never have made that joke if it was a Latin American name that was hard to pronounce. Um, if it was if it was a Nigerian person whose name was difficult for us to pronounce because we didn't know, um, we would never have made those jokes, so we shouldn't have made them in the first place. Um, we have one exception that I want to point out. We are going to continue to call Amanda, Amanda Smazazazazaza, because she asked us to. That was enthusiastic consent. So that one stays. Anyway, that bit is retired. We're sorry we ever did it. It shouldn't be funny, and we will just find new ways to give them ridiculous nicknames, which is what we do for everyone else anyway. Um, So, nicknames ahead for those lovely people, or, you know, their real names pronounced correctly, either or. Um... So that is thing one. Thing two, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we've started doing little lunch breaks on Fridays. Um, if, if you're ever around, a Patreon subscriber, sorry, if you're ever around at 1.30 uh, Central Time on a Friday and you want to come in and say hi, 
Um, or I'm sorry, it's one on a Friday. Uh, I will always be there, or at least most of the time. Julie and Janine will be there sometimes. And we are going to have friends of the show come on. We're going to do that some more. So if you join, maybe it'll be an esthetician answering skincare questions. Maybe it'll be somebody who knows a lot about snakes <laughs> answering snake questions. Yes. Um, maybe sometimes we'll just like, totally I don't have kids, but maybe we'll have a parent and we can have like parent share talk time. If you're a Patreon backer, you can join us and that's all levels so if you're subscribing please come join us it's been really really fun um to that end we want to thank all of our patreon subscribers but specifically the following folks hopefully this web page is actually loaded now somebody fill 30 seconds for me all right what happened to Gus? Yeah. He's, you guys know this about him. He's fiercely private, and he doesn't want to be on camera. And it's just very stressful for him in this age you know of Zoom. I have to say that I appreciate his desire to not be on camera, but he's just really taken it away from the rest of us because he's such a handsome boy. I tell him this, Julie, and I will pass along your, your regards. Maybe he will be able to hear it more clearly coming from outside the home. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know who? what Gus does not do? The only thing wrong that Gus does not do? He does not back us on Patreon. But here are some folks who do. Um, everybody who backs us, we appreciate it so much. The show is costly, and you make it possible for us to keep doing it. The following folks pitch in just a little bit more, so we want to thank them. Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tegeson, Tina Barnett, The Other Janine, Kristen, Shannon Duffy, Alicia Glynn, Liz Penniston, Stella Welch, Zena Perez, Chrissy Shively, Denise Perkins, Kayla Ray, Rachel Lazan, Rachelle Lefevre, Amanda Smazazamazamaza, Heather Robbins, <laughs> extra mustard, Julie, it's your favorite, sweet sassy molassie, Brittany Hulbert, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella, Maria, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Philip Nako, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Crystal Nanavati, Mary Lumpkin, Jenna Polkowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, uh, Happy Birthday, Kara, Dr. J, Jen Lander Drunk. Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the, the Wise. Thank you so much for, for supporting the show. If you want to join them, you can do that at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. You can also find us on Twitter at podlanderdrunkcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast, uh, on TikTok at think it's podlander drunk cast uh and now eventually you'll be able to find all of those links at podlandercast.com um Ooh, right now it's just fancy. a thing that says eventually there'll be a website here but eventually there'll be a website there so uh am i forgetting anything folks okay. no no thank you for um taking this two-hour journey <laughs> we spoke two I minutes mean, for every one minute of television we watched to Bembley. Yeah. Keenan, thank you for being what here. Keenan is going to come back for a costume-specific episode when the miniseries is over because there are so many good costumes. So uh, she will be back, uh, and so will we next week when we talk about episode five, a.k.a. the one with the messy drama. <laughs> there is some messy, the messy, messy drama. drama. Okay, bye. Oh. Bye. bye. bye.